Hey everybody, you're listening to Canary Cry Radio, and my name is Basil. And this is Gons. Today we have... With a baby. Gons with a baby. Do you have the baby there with you? She is here. Is she sleeping? She is sleeping. Okay, let's good. let's keep it that way. Stay quiet. Everybody be quiet. The, yeah. The baby's sleeping. Gons, this is the first Canary Cry episode before or after Since. you've had your baby. That's right. Since... Yes. So uh, we all congratulate you on that. Thank you. Uh, if you guys want to hear more about the baby, I, I, I have a great way for you to do that, but we'll get into that later. Um, today, though, we've got Robbie Davidson, and we're talking about things such as, but not exclusive to, scientism exposed. Yes, that's correct. Scientism. It's a thing. The religion of science. Yes. And uh, we are, I think we've all seen this pop up in culture as science as a type of religion. And we get into it. We talked about a whole bunch of other stuff too. Um, just as a fair warning, we, we did record this episode quite a while ago. So if there are any references or if we talk about, uh, you know, current events, it's it's because we it recorded it like it's a long time ago. Yes, this is at least a month ago. Um, but here it is. Sorry, we've been keeping it from you, but it's here and you're going to love it. Uh, but before we do that, we got a couple fun things to mention. Uh, a lot of you may have may remember about a year ago when uh, I was talking all this hype about something called the joy spiracy theory. And good news is. For all you Joy Spiracy theorists out there, uh, the Joy Spiracy Theory is back and rolling, publishing every week. So, uh, and if you haven't checked out the Joy Spiracy Theory yet, I've gotten some comments, some emails. Uh, actually, somebody said it in a review of the podcast as well. They, you know, when they heard about the Joy Spiracy Theory, they kind of thought, meh. I don't really need that. I'm kind of, I'm a happy person. I don't need, you know what? It's for you too. I spend, uh, I've gotten a bunch of interviews on the record with uh, some of your favorite authors and researchers just having a good time as well as uh, a bunch of really awesome other human beings. And there's just something to learn from every episode. I truly enjoy doing that podcast so, so much. So uh, make sure to do that. And remember that thing I said about hearing about Gonz's baby? That's right. If you're a fan of Gons, you're going to love his baby. And uh, on the, <laughs> we've all been hearing about a lot of this YouTube crackdown and a lot of the demonetization of some of these fringy folks, such as you, Gons. You took a big hit, right? Yeah, about yeah. This last couple of days, yes, it, uh, went down about eighty percent. So, oh, but oh my it, gosh, you know uh, I was mentioning. You had mentioned the whole thing with. How this recording of uh, the conversation with Robbie Davidson was, it's pretty old. Yes. It's funny because when we talked to him, none of this YouTube stuff had really hit. You know, I mean, right. obviously the, the scare was always there, but we had, you know, none of it had really hit that hard. And then, you know, I mean, it really cracked down in the last few weeks and we're all, we're all feeling it now. But uh, yes, that's true. And Robbie Davidson is a, has a great YouTube channel and we talk about that, but uh, sort of, uh, us content creators uh, in this community have been trying to find different ways to support our ministries and support our families and things like that. And there's a wonderful service called Patreon.com. And so, and these, I'm bringing it all around. It's all going to connect now for you. If you want to hear yep. uh, Gons and I talk for about an hour about his new fatherhood, his child, some funny stories, uh, and he teaching me about fatherhood and I more importantly teaching 
him about fatherhood. Um, <laughs> we recorded a fun episode, just two pals talking yeah. about babies. Um, but but awesome, awesome, awesome. Especially if you love guns as much as I do. Yeah. Um, but how do how do people listen to that? There's they got to do some, right? Yeah. If you like want to listen, just go to your to conspiracy theory. And no, if you. It. If you want to listen to that, you got to go to uh, Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash the joy spiracy theory. And it's spelled just like conspiracy theory, just with joy instead of con. Yeah. Is, is that, is that, are you sure about that? Because uh, I had somebody tell me that they were looking for the joy spiracy theory and they couldn't find it until they looked up Basil Rosewater. Oh, that's interesting. No, that should work. Let me try it. I'm doing it here on the air. Patreon.com <laughs> slash. Looking out for you, man. Joy. Well, in the meantime. Conspiracy theory. All right. Oh, He's going to no, st- steamroll is, through there this. There is no in the meantime. We're doing it now. We're doing it live. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Nope. It works. There you go. It's okay. there. Uh, and, but if you sign up, uh, to support the Joy Spiracy theory and by extension, just supporting me, if you, you know, want to help out old basil your old buddy basil um after some of these monetization hits that we've been uh experiencing that would be a great way to do it and as a bonus you get uh this awesome episode with me and gans talking about babies and babyhood and fatherhood it's really i've, I've had some great great feedback gans i actually forgot to tell you uh people are very touched by it and uh they liked hearing you and me just as pals chatting about something that doesn't involve aliens or a dark conspiracy <laughs> to enslave the souls of all humanity um so yeah. that's that's a fun <laughs> it's, it's a fun new did take did not come up at least once it, uh, it did never came up like, i don't there had to have been a, a oh, moment no, we, when we dropped it, a nephilim bomb or something oh we certainly talked about how your baby looked like a nephilim when she came out because of her oh, conical gosh. shaped head oh, that's right yes but yeah. anyways for for things like that and more uh patreon.com slash the joy spiracy theory and if uh if you want to support Gons and Face Like the Sun, a lot of people have been asking me for some reason how to support you, Gons. <laughs> you go to <laughs> patreon.com slash face like the sun and uh, that supports Perfect. you and all your videos. And, uh, you know, through both of those, it's keeping us both alive so we can keep this material on the air, keeping the truth out there, baby. Yeah. And, you know, some of you guys have been Canary Cry Radio supporters for a very, very long time. And, um, we say thank you to you oh guys because it's obviously this is still going because of you guys. And I get it. You know, we kind of have been a little slow, um, a lot of life things happening, you know, yes. like babies. So uh, it kind of throws a whole wrench into the whole thing. But, and I do want to say so this, grateful. I actually do want to say this cause this is totally true. This is not just, uh, I don't know. We're talking a lot about fundraising here, but this is, this is a total true fact. I would be homeless right now if it wasn't yeah literally i literally would be homeless if it wasn't for the support of you guys and um i'm just honestly i I can't tell you how grateful i am uh not only because now i have a dry place to sleep or i continue to have a dry place to sleep but also i couldn't record podcasts if i didn't have a home so this is a nice circle of life that we're experiencing here (laughs) Anyways, there's all those yeah. things. Anything else before we get into this episode, Gans? Uh, not really. Okay, great. Here we go. This is a great episode with Robbie Davidson. Make sure to enjoy it. Make sure to do it. Here we go. Get your mind blown. 
I think there are a good number of things that cannot be scientifically proven, but that we're all rational to accept. Let me list five. Logical and mathematical truths cannot be proven by science. Science presupposes logic and math, so that to try to prove them by science would be arguing in a circle. Metaphysical truths, like there are other minds other than my own, or that the external world is real, or that the past was not created five minutes ago with an appearance of age, are rational beliefs that cannot be scientifically proven. Ethical beliefs about statements of value uh, are not accessible by the scientific method. You can't show by science whether the Nazi scientists in the camps did anything evil as opposed to the scientists in Western democracies. Aesthetic judgments, number four, cannot be accessed by the scientific method because the beautiful, like the good, cannot be scientifically proven. And finally, most remarkably, would be science itself. Science cannot be justified by the scientific method. Science is permeated with unprovable assumptions. For example, in the special theory of relativity, the whole theory hinges on the assumption that the speed of light is constant in a one-way direction between any two points A and B. But that strictly cannot be proven. We simply have to assume that in order to hold the theory. This is Canary Cry Radio. Hey everybody, you're listening to Canary Cry Radio, and my name's Basil. And this is Gons. Welcome to episode number 117. Did I say that wow. right? I'm, yeah, 117. I guess, yeah. No, I'm confused, but yeah, there you go. <laughs> One, that sounds about right. Yep. Could everything we've been taught about life and the world be wrong? Is the scientific establishment of today more or less a religious movement led by priests in lab coats and acting as gatekeepers of knowledge? If so, how are we as Christians to understand the difference between the scientific method, which clearly shows some progress and some evidence that it works, and this contemporary sort of spiritual movement called scientism? Well, here to help us understand these questions and other topics is the man behind the Celebrate Truth YouTube channel, and uh, he's made tons of videos and um, they've been viewed hundreds of thousands of times. He's had uh, a good amount of views on a video called Flat Earth Truth of the UFO Alien Deception, The Global Lie, and most recently, Scientism Exposed. He's getting ready to release Scientism Exposed Part 2. Robbie Davidson, thanks for coming on the show, buddy. Thanks for having me. As it's a real pleasure and honor to be here. Absolutely. Now, before we get uh, too extreme into the details here, uh, you know, it's always interesting to find out how people got into, you know, kind of starting their own little part of the move of whatever movement they're involved in. Because, um, you know, as far as, uh, it, believe it or not, us podcasters and YouTubers and researchers, you know, we're we're fairly normal people before we uh, before we get all crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so how'd you get your start? Kind of what it, what's your background? And uh, tell us a little about yourself. What do you like to do on a on a sunny summer afternoon? Well, a little bit about my story. I mean, I was raised uh, not in a in a Christian home, and I believed a lot of the uh, you know the scientism of the day. And I think that would be one of the big indicators of me basically walking away, rejecting the Bible or any of the kind of claims that they had, because I'm like, you know, if they can't get, you know, things right, right from Genesis, I mean, how can I trust this book? So things just, you know, looking and ridiculing like the account of uh, the 
flood or the Noah's Ark. I mean, how you fit all those animals. Just, just simple things like this, but really in my brain laughing at it through the scientific you know, studies. Um, so, you know, I really walked away and I would say, you know, for most of my life, I led a really incredibly ungodly lifestyle, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll. I was pretty wild. I mean, I was to the point where I used to find joy in actually seeing if I could make Christians cry, um, oh, like shit. women, uh, just because, you know, I thought it was so pathetic that they were waiting until they were married or that they didn't swear or whatever. But again, I just would, you know, have these pot shots and just be able to, you know, really just get in there and ridicule. And I just thought it was just a joke, you know? So, um, for me, it was uh, one of those things. So um, there was a, a friend I, I got to know, and uh, he was a little bit different. And I remember one time we were just talking, and uh, all of a sudden he says, "Oh, it's getting late. You know, I got to go to church tomorrow." I'm like, "Your parents make you go to church?" <laughs> and he's like, "No, I want to go to church." And I'm like, "What? You want to go to church? What are you talking about?" Like, I just couldn't even comprehend it. Well, anyways, that conversation turned into like a six-hour talk, and we got into eschatology, and we got into some really fascinating things. But I remember one thing that he had said, and. I said, you know, it's, it's all good, because I, I wouldn't go so far as to say I was an, agno- or an atheist, but I'd say I was an agnostic. Hey, I'm a good person. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm okay. I believe in God. You know? As long as I believe in God, then yeah, I'm good. And he's like, no, it's more than that. You, you know, you, you got to have a relationship and stuff. So that kind of stuck with me. And uh, anyways, but nothing really happened after that. It's just I went back to my lifestyle, you know, uh, drinking and partying in the club scene. And it was a few nights afterwards I had this kind of spiritual encounter where all of a sudden it was just instantly, like, at, uh, I don't know, it was about three in the morning, woke up and there was this presence around me and it was like i remember just holding out my hands and saying i'm coming to you that was it uh woke up the next uh, morning and i was actually sleeping in the basement of my parents uh, house at that point this i was at 21 at this point um just sleeping on the couch and when i woke up they had all these vhs tapes of all these old movies but the one that was glowing was jesus you know the film jesus <laughs> it's like glowing mm. i went to it i grabbed it i put it into the vcr i watched the entire movie and at the end i basically got on my knees and years and i just basically gave my life and then since then it's just been just absolutely incredible i mean god's led me into so many different ministries i went off to uh, bible college um i worked in prison ministry did youth ministry i did like evangelism uh, i really got into apologetics because part of me was i needed to know this was the truth this wasn't just a belief uh, that i always tell people it doesn't matter what you believe what matters is what the truth is so for me, it was a really important part of my journey was getting into apologetics. And one of the things was uh, getting into creation science. And that, I mean, Kent Hovind and other great, uh, you know, ministries that were out there, it was just profound to start now finally really looking into like Noah's Ark or look into creation and look into all these inconsistencies that evolution being one of the biggest. Uh, because again, we were told, you know, we evolved from monkeys. This is exactly, you know, scientific proof. And this is reality. And there's no debate. But when you started breaking it down, wait a minute. This isn't just reality. This isn't just conclusive through the scientific method. We got major holes. So I think Kent Hovind and other people like that did a fantastic job. I had an opportunity to meet uh, Kent when he came to my church probably about 17, 18 years ago. Um, and he gave a seminar. And it was just amazing, you know, just going through all of that. And so that led me into, um, you know, getting into that, getting into eschatology. I was really, I'm still am excited and uh, fascinated by eschatology. Then getting into the research of like the Nephilim or Genesis 6. Um, and for me, it was a big deal when it came to all of this investigation, because while I was being led to, you know, spiritual warfare and just different facets of different areas, I was always fascinated by the way Satan works in this world. And I found it interesting how 
you know, many, many Christians, you know, oh, I believe in Satan. Yeah, he possesses people. He's real. But they didn't understand how big and how complex and how he was working with very powerful families and stuff. So I started really researching a lot of that and finding out how, you know, it's it's not just people in robes. These people are wearing ties and suits, you know. This is pretty sophisticated in the agencies that are set up, uh, in the people groups. And, uh, you know, going down that path, you know, getting in, even into 9-11, kind of seeing behind it, seeing how pretty much everyone, you know, of these major elite families were Luciferian and just tying it all together, studying the New Age, studying Satanism, really understanding, okay, in order to understand how this all works or to get a really good uh, proper perspective, I've got to study the other side as well, too. So really studying where are these guys' agendas? What, you know, uh, getting into Alex or Crowley or getting into Alice Bailey or getting into all these teachers. And I really wanted to formulate this understanding of my eschatology, but also what was kind of, you know, the one world, one world order and all these sort of things. But to me, it was really important to see how it was all coming together, which led me to the most recent stuff that I've really spent a lot of time researching and looking into, but really going into it and saying, wait a minute. Okay, so, you know, evolution is one of the most disastrous lies out there. It destroys the significance. It it, it takes out a lot of uh, significance with what's written in the Bible. But where does evolution come from? Like, let's follow this back. And when you go into the Big Bang, what I found fascinating for years and years, I would just attach God to the Bang because I'd run into like an atheist. And I said, guys, okay, you guys believe nothing exploded and created everything, okay? I believe it's intelligent design. I mean, who's stupider here, right? Kind of thing. So what I would do is I'd equate, I just attach God to the Big Bang. But when I started studying the whole heliocentric Big Bang cosmology, I found some major, major errors and, and problems throughout the whole thing. And then linking it in throughout history, you find out, you know, with Copernicus and you're getting into Pythagoras. And you start studying these really pivotal uh you know, times in history where everything was shaken and moved into a new direction. And most of these people, you know, they were in the mystery schools, they were getting it through the occult, they were getting some very esoteric kind of knowledge. And I find it fascinating how you kind of put this plan all together. And if you're Lucifer and Satan, you're going to plan for generations. You're not going to plan for a year or like maybe even a decade. You're going to plan for a long period of time because it takes a while to saturate it. So I just found it very fascinating um, you know, for me, being a truth seeker, you know, obviously following the one that claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life. And I've said many times before, the biggest thing that I came down to was examining the claims of Jesus, because either he is who he said he is, or he's not. And I love the C.S. Lewis quote, where it's either he's a lunatic, he's a liar, or he's Lord. There is no room for anything else. You can't say he's a good teacher or he's a prophet. He didn't leave us open to that. So I love the fact of being able to talk to someone and say, look, that's all you really need to focus on because, again, he's the only person that claimed to be the embodiment of truth. Not just, hey, I'll tell you the truth. I am the truth. I am the way. Um, so to me, in all this quest for truth, when it came to reality or creation or whatever, to me, the most significant thing is spiritually, what is the truth? Because the spiritual truth of the matter is Jesus is the creator of all creation. And to me, it was a very important topic uh, that God has led me to here in the last couple of years. Yeah, you know, it's interesting how science was such a big part and is such a big part of the, uh, you know, the, the not believing in God or, you know, holding a firm atheism or even uh, the justification for an agnosticism, uh, you know, worldview. Uh, and it's interesting that going through and, and picking out the Big Bang and equating, you know, uh, I guess, 
equating it in conversation with God or using that as a as a jumping off point was kind of part of your strategy there. And it, you know, because the scientific argument, I mean, that really is the biggest argument that uh, comes up in conversation, really, without the sort of scientific. Uh, exclusively scientific worldview, there's really not much to say about it. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that was the one thing that I wanted to make sure that when I came up with scientism exposed, I wanted to make the distinction and I want maybe, you know, all your listeners to know this as well. When they hear this interview, I'm not anti-science and a lot of people that are basically making these claims. I mean, we, we love science, science, the true scientific method is wonderful. I mean, it's, it's great. There's no problem there. What, what we have a problem with, however, is scientism. So opening up the film, I wanted to make sure that I drew the distinction between what's the difference between science and scientism. Because unfortunately, a lot of the things that are being taught to our children, just in general, that we're just, we assume that, oh, well, they ought to be scientific or whatever. They're not. They're, they are theories. And I believe that it gets even more sinister in the sense that there's an agenda, there is a deception, and it's all been masqueraded under the banner of truth and reality. And there's no debate. I mean, to me, it's almost ingenious. And why I think it's so important is because everyone's worldview is is being formed by scientism. So as a child, it doesn't even matter whether you're a Christian or agnostic or atheist or Muslim or Buddhist, or it doesn't matter. Everyone's worldview is shaped by this one construct that is basically taught at a very early age. I mean, we're taught all of this stuff very, very early on, and no one really questions it. You know, no one just questions it. Uh, but when you start actually researching this, you find it very, very intriguing how this all kind of comes together. And I understand for a lot of people, myself included, when I came to some of this content matter, I, I laughed it off. I thought it was a joke. I said, you got to be kidding me. This is, and almost everyone that comes to this last Saturday just thinks this is out to lunch. I mean, before this topic, I would say that the moon landing was probably the most outrageous in kind of quote-unquote, conspiracy circles. So for me, you know, and I didn't believe they landed on the moon for a long time, and, you know, I always make the case that if people are questioning, seriously questioning the moon landing, they're probably going to be open enough to really look at some other things and be okay with it. But if you believe they landed on the moon 100%, this, some of this information that we'll be talking about tonight might be very hard for you to digest. With, with It totally makes sense. But for me, it was like the moon landing was probably the most outrageous He's just out there. I mean, um, a lot of people would talk about different conspiracies and stuff, but really that was the one that was way out there. Well, this one and this content matter is even further than that. So it's almost like the, the moon itself, you know, and I tell people this all the time. I say, look, just really look into that moon landing because here's the question. Hypothetically, if they didn't land on the moon and if they can't go that far, the question is, where have they gone? How far can they go? You know, it opens up the thing. I say that to people all the time. I say, don't you find it strange that in the 1960s, they went 240,000 miles away? Okay, so a quarter of a million miles. Since then, and anybody can look this up on Google. Do it right now as we're, we're speaking. Um, the furthest that man has gone is 400 miles. 43 years, almost 50 years, and the furthest that man has gone is 400 miles. It's, it's a fraction of a fraction of a percent. I mean, they're telling us that in, you know, uh, technology that basically an iPhone 3, you know, uh, has more power, megahertz power than an iPhone 3 than, the, than what the Apollo had. They're telling us that they went a quarter of a million miles away. But what I find very suspicious is the fact that they've only gone 400 miles since then. Um, so things like this, it needs to be brought up in the sense of like, really look into this because it's like, wait a minute, whoa, what's going on here? There has to be something going on. So I always say hypothetically, just like the Bible with these verses that we'll be bringing up tonight, hypothetically, if you just try it, what happens? You know, what happens when a child reads the Bible and 
what kind of worldview would they construct if they had no science, scientism, if you weren't telling them anything, they just read all the creation verses and they were going to draw it? What would they draw? And to me, it's like it would be very dangerous almost and not right if God was going to deceive all the children. I mean, Jesus talked very highly about let the children come to me. And it talks about having faith like a child. So sometimes we almost need to like come down a little bit and go, you know what? I'm going to read this like a child. How would a child read this? And it's just plain. A lot of these verses are plain, but unfortunately they didn't work with our construct. They didn't work with our worldview. So therefore we made them poetic or allegory. So to me, it's just very intriguing, but I definitely think that the moon landing it is a very pivotal point in anyone's journey, uh, truth-seeking, conspiracy circles, whatever you want to do. But anytime you look into it, you got to figure out where you stand on that. Because I think that if you start questioning that and you find some things that really aren't adding up, start looking beyond that. Because the big question is, if they didn't go there, why would they lie? And I think that's the biggest thing that people have a hard time with. It's too big a lie or, you know, there's no point. What would be the point? And I think this is why it's so important, because I think the question on why they would lie really brings a lot of these things together. Yeah, that yeah. is interesting. I mean, that is like the <laughs> kind of uh, truther 101 uh, right next to 9-11 there. Yeah, exactly. And I, I say and I always I always say to people sometimes, like wherever you are in your walk and in being a truther, you know, if all of a sudden you're still stuck up on 9-11, uh, you believe the official story of 9-11. Well, good luck even getting into the NASA, you know, or, or talking about the moon landing. I mean, you're still there. So it's almost like you need to go on baby steps. So I talk to people sometimes that sometimes we're excited. We want to jump people to like the Nephilim and blow. But sometimes we almost have to like, you know, start really almost baby steps and go through it. Just, are they tracking? Do they believe that JFK, the, there might have been multiple shooters or whatever? Okay, where do you believe on 9-11? If they're open on 9-11, then you kind of keep going. But it's like a scale. And I always... I always bring this up because I think it's important because sometimes we're talking to people and we're bringing up like really heavy duty level stuff and they're not even at the 9-11. They haven't even digested the fact that that's pretty evil. I mean, you stop and think about 9-11 and the very fact that, you know, there's evil in this world that would actually even basically be able to do something like that. And I think it's a hard for people to digest that, especially a lot of people that um, are in the church or whatever and thinking that, you know, the government are good Christian people and they're, you know, looking out for us and stuff like that. So I think all of these topics get really really shady because, again, I don't know if a lot of the people want to believe that we live in such an evil, corrupt world, but the Bible clearly says it, that Satan is the god of this world. Um, and, you know, when you start looking around, it starts to make sense when you look at the top agencies, not to mention, if you look at all the verses in the Bible that talk about the world's wisdom or talk about the wisdom of the world, if you actually stopped right now and thought about it, who would you say would be the wisest people that we look up to today? And I would say it's the scientists. I'd say it's the astrophysicists. I'd say it's the rocket scientists, you know? These type of people are basically the smart people. They're the ones with the big degrees, and they have all the calculations, and they go on to these programs. But if you look at what God says about the world's wisdom, he doesn't just sit there and say it's wrong or evil. He says it's foolishness. It's foolish. So for him to, have, to strike a parallel like that, or actually a contrast in the sense that it's so completely the opposite, could it be that the stuff that they're saying is so incredibly crazy, it's so far off base, that God's saying it's foolishness. It's laughable with what they're trying to tell you and, you know, that he's actually, it breaks his heart. The fact that we would listen to the wisdom of men rather than what God has plainly put in the Bible. I mean, it's a question and that's all I do to tell people to say, Hey, 
just look into it because it's very fascinating when just, you know, just hypothetically you try it and say, what would happen if I was to take all the creation verses literally? What would happen? What's amazing about it is nothing contradicts. You get a complete worldview construct that it really starts forming together. It's not like, you know, some of these things still don't add up. It all starts coming together. And then, it, furthermore, it really starts to, you know, make more sense with the Tower of Babel. It starts to make sense now with uh, the, uh, the flood. I mean, you're talking three water sources, the water above the heavens, you know, in the fountains of the deep. But if you read the, the account in the flood, it talks about three water sources. And the Bible is very clear, even after the flood, that water still exists, you know, in the firmament, above the firmament. And it said that the firmament was put in place to divide the waters from the waters. Now, I know there's canopy theories and there's all these things, but could it be? Could it be that there is big bodies of water, you know, just above us? These are the type of questions that just get very fascinating. But when you start reading the Bible and you start putting it together and then going to other stories, like I said, the Tower of Babel, getting into even extra biblical texts that are Holy Spirit inspired, like uh, like uh, First Enoch or Jasher, it gets even more profound. I'd say the you know, and most people got into the whole Nephilim Genesis six thing with the Book of Enoch. Well, I don't think a lot of people, myself included, knew that there's way more about creation in the Book of Enoch than there is even about the Nephilim or the Watchers. So when you actually look at the creation, you either have to discount it and say, you know, Enoch didn't have a clue what he's talking about here. He's ignorant, just like the rest of them. Or you have to sit there and say, wait a minute, what's he talking about here? Because he clearly talks about a lot of movement uh, chambers. He talks about a lot of very interesting things that some investigators and people have gone down that road. And it started to construct some really interesting things, not to mention the Book of Jasher explaining that the Tower of Babel, they were literally looking for the openings because they wanted to kind of get up there so that they could kill God. I mean, it's evil, but it starts to kind of put this, you know, because I, I never could actually fully figure out why it was such a threat when he says, let us go down and confound their language. But you're thinking about it. And think about in a heliocentric Big Bang universe and stuff. And you're looking down on these little peons almost that are building this little tower. In that sense, it just seems so silly in the sense that why would it even be a threat? Why was it a concern? Because clearly it was a concern. Now I can go into the spiritual and say there was other significant markers in there. But it clearly says they were trying to build a tower to the heavens. But interestingly, when you read other books, like the Book of Joshua, it explains that you knew from the account of the flood, um, you know, from, uh, you know, as kids and stuff like that. And uh, you get into Nimrod, you get into the expeditions, like to Antarctica and stuff like that. I mean, Operation Nimrod, and you get into Operation High Jump, and you get into Operation Fishbowl. I mean, some of these things are very interesting, biblically speaking, when you start studying the expeditions, I mean, and you kind of find out what Nimrod was about, and you start connecting these whole things, and you're going, wait a minute, is there something a lot bigger that Satan has been doing to really, really, and I believe, destroy the credibility of the Bible by taking out its foundation? And the only way you do that is you take out the foundation right from Genesis. And even if you believe a lot of the stuff, but you don't believe in some of the stuff, to me, I think it's dangerous because it's like then you're kind of picking and choosing what's literal and what's not. And what I find interesting is a lot of people I talk to that, you know, think maybe some of this stuff is crazy. They're the ones that believe in six-day literal creationism. And it's like, okay, so that's literal, but this is not. So, you know, these type of things I just think is important when we're talking about the Word of God, when we're talking about the Holy Inspired, you know, uh, text of the Bible. And to me, it's like, did God, you know, it, did men just write it or did God write it through men? And the whole thing with that is if the Holy Spirit did, in fact, write it, he would have wrote it for all men for all time. He wouldn't have to write it just for those men at that time because they couldn't comprehend the universe. To me, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a sad argument sometimes when people say, well, you have to understand that they were kind of ignorant. And I'm thinking all it takes is one verse. And it says, the earth flies through the heavens like an eagle. 
even that one verse alone would destroy this entire premise when it comes into geocentrism or heliocentrism. But to me, if you look in the Bible, try to find one verse to support the earth is even moving. And you can't. And I know it seems crazy because we've all been taught the earth is spinning and it's wobbling and it's flying around the sun. But you look in the Bible and all you find, not just one or two verses, you find multiple ones talking about how it's fixed, it's immovable, it's stationary, it's firm. Um, and to me, if you actually think about it, it kind of makes sense the way God would create it. If he made everything for the earth, everything would kind of revolve around it. Everything would be created, just like he said. So to me, I think it, it's been kind of part of the deception just to kind of distance God. Even for the really hardcore believer, it almost, you have these questions. You're like, well, you know, maybe he's in another dimension or maybe, you know, and there's things that are muddy. The worst part about it though is when we go around because we believe it's scientifically proven. When you research it and you find out, no, it's not. I think that's the most damaging thing. So if people can at least make the distinction, yes, I want to believe in that, but I know it's scientism. I'm good with that. Fine. But don't go around saying this is scientific fact that the um, earth moves because there's not one experiment anywhere ever done in the history of the world to ever conclusively prove that the earth moves. And you can look this up. And it's startling when you look into these things. You'd think by now they would have one experiment just to prove that, yep, we're spinning or we're flying around the sun. But nothing. Everyone has failed. And when they fail, they go into the, the theory of relativity and they start you know, coming into all new things just to kind of work around it because they don't like the results. And that's kind of what you see with scientism. The minute they don't like the results, they come up with more theories and they just go further and further down this road. Yeah, I'm curious about that because, you know, uh, everything you mentioned there, you know, I, I can't say I disagree with any of it. Uh, what I would say from just my journey and in looking into all this stuff, you know, I will say that, that the hostility that came from some of the, the more recent, um, you know, the flat earth movement and all that, uh, I didn't, I didn't want to have anything to do with that. And so a lot of it had to do with, I just didn't want to get muddied up and, and jump into that end of the the pool, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, though, I, the, the one thing that it did do, and Basil knows this, it did that same thing, I think, that it happened to a lot of people when we, when we started looking into the topic, which was questioning, like, wait, what do we really know? What, what do we really know, number one? Number two, you know, how much are we willing to believe the Bible? Mm-hmm. And I don't like it when folks use that to try to... to uh, press the flat earth into Christians. It's, it's a, it's a good question. It's, it's, it's a valid question to ask, but I, but I have seen it being used as a sort of a, a knee on the throat kind of like, if you don't agree with this, then you're disagreeing with, you know, the Bible, you're basically going against the word of God. And I, I just don't think that's a number one, a healthy method of communication, but number two, I, I don't think you're supposed to use the, the word as kind of a, a, you know, something to, to, you know, either, tell someone that they have to believe a certain way about something. I agree. Um, yeah. But yeah, at the I same agree. time, at the same time, they're valid points. And I have st- looked at this topic and, um, you know, I can't look at the sky. I can't look at the moon. I can't look at stars the same anymore. You know, whether mm-hmm. it's heliocentric or it's a don't, whatever I, it, I'm looking up in awe and I'm, I'm kind of in a phase where I'm investigating these things and I, and I haven't shared it publicly too much, but you know, because there is that question, you brought up the dimensionalities, you brought up, you know, a couple different things, you know, the, the concept of a whirlwind, you know, taking Elijah up and, and things like that. It makes me wonder if there is some sort of dimensional reality to it where the language uh, used was, you know, the language that could be used at the time 
Uh, and it's not that it's inaccurate. It's just that it is using the, you know, the, the, the words that they had to describe certain things. Uh, if they were extra dimensional properties to it, um, you know, uh, something like a firmament, uh, which is, you know, when you look at the definition, you look at the word, it's, it's, you know, a literal physical, uh, what is it? Hammered out yeah. hard piece, you know, so it's, it's a physical thing. Um, now is, and again, I, and I don't know, I mean, people have concluded, therefore, you know, there is a hard dome, but at the same time I'm going, well, okay, maybe that that's possible. Um, I'm not taking it off the table, but at the same time, if, if there are whirlwinds that take you up, if there are, you know, tower of Babel, sure. Yeah. They're looking for the cracks in some of the other texts and stuff like that. It's fascinating. Uh, but you know, again, we don't really know, you know what I mean? Like that's that's the issue is that that we're we're all kind of investigating these things. And I, and I love that, that part of it is that we've come to this point where we really are questioning everything. And I think that's healthy. I think that we should do that more just in general, just to come to the truth as you you were talking about. So, so I'm glad that you're taking this approach because it feels like, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of keeping it an even keel. You've gone through the rigors of looking at, you know, creation science. You know, I was really into that as well. And I was really into apologetics. And, you know, um, one of the great arguments for the existence of God is the Kalam cosmological argument uh, made famous by Dr. William Lane Craig. Mm-hmm. And, he basically uses the very scientific, quote unquote, the scientific, uh, you know, narrative of a big bang to prove the existence of God using logic, right? <laughs> so correct. correct. They, yeah. Because essentially with the big bang, they, they admitted that there was a beginning to the universe and that plays right into the hands of you know, in the beginning, the first line of the Bible. So, you know, things like that. So, you know, talk a little bit more about scientism and, sure. you know, because I, I want to get into sort of the nitty gritty of, what is it? Because here's the thing. What I've seen is there's a lot of data that gets collected. And the differences come with the interpretation of the data. And that is predicated on one's presupposition, right? So you got, you got to do like this, like a, a history of psychology of each individual looking at what they're looking at and, and sort of assess how they came to the conclusions of what they did. It's, it's kind of messy and challenging. How do you wade through some of that? Well, I mean, like, I, I mean, I think it, it comes down to like really, you know, searching the scriptures and then kind of looking at, you know, for the longest time, I remember even having commentaries and I'd look in the commentaries in some of these trouble verses. And I mean, there's just be nothing mentioned because it's like, we have no clue almost. It's just like, they were just omitted almost. And to me, I'm just like, well, that wasn't, you know, sufficient for me. I wanted to really know, you know, where things are going on. I mean, like you were talking about, you know, past stuff, but then again, you bring up a verse like, you know, when Christ comes in the clouds, every eye will see him. I mean, if you try to actually picture that on a round ball, it's tough. You know what I mean? I mean, I guess you'd come up with, you know, different interpretations. You know, when Jesus went up, did he literally go up? Or is just, you know, is this just a construct? I mean, to me, even directional, most people, like, I don't know if you have any kids or whatever. I've got a little daughter. If she's like, Daddy, where's heaven? You know, most people point upwards. Or they'll say, you know, where, where's hell? And they point down. The question is, where is up and down? Where are directions in space in the sense that we're, you know, a spinning ball flying through, you know, the heavens kind of thing? So for me, I'm like, even simple directions, when people would look up and they knew that God was up, you know, where is up on on a construct? When you actually start talking space and you start talking the heliocentric universe, I mean, everything gets distorted. And for me, I looked at, you know, 
the fact that, like, okay, you know, Satan loves to just, I mean, and you look at every verse, and I say to people all the time, I say, try this experiment, because it's really profound. Take every verse that you can find with creation, and just hypothetically, just take it literal. Now, look at what scientism says about it. It will be the polar opposite. If it says the stars are small or whatever and close, it will say they're billions and trillions of years away. If the Bible literally will say it's only about 6,000 years old, it will say it's 6 billion years old, you know. But again, it gets worse. You get into even the order. You get into the fact that, you know, Earth was created. It had plant life before the sun, moon, and stars were even created. I know it's hard to digest in the sense for some people, the fact that there was light. Light was created even before the luminaries were. But here's an interesting thing. When you get into the Big Bang cosmology that, that uh, Craig wants to you know, bring up all the time, the, the only problem with that, though, is you have suns, uh, suns, plural, and there's another problem. If you look at the Bible, it says the sun, the moon, and also stars. Stars are distinctly different. Right from the Word of God, right from Genesis, it says there's one sun, one moon, and also stars. So, when they tell us that all the stars we see are suns, that muddies the waters even more. But to get on my point when it comes to everything they've taught us, they've taught us that there were suns and that universes spun you know, around the suns. So everything that we see in our, in our galaxies were created first by suns and then earths. Well, you read Genesis, you have earth created before the sun, moon, and stars. So what I'm saying is, I tell people all the time, I say, don't you find it fascinating? You would think that maybe they'd only do a couple, but I find it really fascinating when you just hypothetically say, okay, I'm going to write down all your verses that are silly or whatever you think, but I'm going to write them all down, and I'm going to go and look at what scientism has taught me about them. And you are going to find a striking, complete attack, complete polar opposite of what is being presented in the Bible. I mean, yes, we can sit there, and I did for the longest time, giving God the honor and glory over the entire Big Bang, you know, cosmology. The only problem with that, though, is you can't support it scripturally. I mean, I'm not saying that it's even a problem, but what I'm saying scripturally, you're going to have a very hard time to find one verse to support a heliocentric Big Bang universe, period. You know, it's very tough to do. But for me, I just was fascinated when I started looking at all of these scriptures, and I'm like, unbelievable. I mean, I could I could do a whole show just on verses to show how they have completely flipped it. They have said that, no, 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 there's not one sun, there's millions of suns, or billions of suns. Oh, no, 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 they're, you know, when, when Jesus, like, when you get into eschatology, and you get into some language in the Bible, like Daniel and stuff like that, it's talked about quite a number of times that the stars are all going to fall to the earth. Well, it's one thing if you want to dismiss some of the prophets and stuff, but how do you dismiss the Messiah, Jesus, you know, talking about all the events that are going to happen in the end times, which everyone takes literal, that people are literally going to run to caves and hide, and, you know, and he says all the stars are going to fall to the earth. Well, if we go with what scientism has taught us, that stars are like, I mean, massive, we're going to have a big problem with even one star falling to earth, right? So the question is, could they possibly be lying? I mean, when you start looking it up, you're like, they have no freaking clue. They have never scientifically concluded anything when it comes to anything. I mean, it's actually startling. I thought for sure they'd actually have some really good formulas. They would have put this whole argument to rest by now. They'd come forward. But all they come forward with is just, you know, silliness. They drop a mic on the stage or they say, you know, you're dumb. Or they, they just call you names. But no one really is credibly coming forward and just conclusively laying it to rest with the scientific method, saying, here's an experiment you can do, and this will conclusively show you whatever you need to see, whether it's the movement of the earth or it gets into the shape of the earth or whatever. So I just find it very startling. And the more that people are looking into this, and the beautiful thing about this is anybody can go out and apply the scientific method and say, okay, if these are all the calculations, here's all the numbers, go prove it. You know, like the Bible says, prove all things. So I think a lot of people in this investigation are really passionate. And unfortunately, there's been a lot of immaturity. I mean, it's fairly new. And I know when sometimes we get excited. When I first got saved, I mean, I, I think I was, you know, in the first month, I was telling everyone down the street they were going to hell. You know, I was totally immature as a Christian, right? But I was passionate, right? 
I was scared for people. And as time went on, I kind of matured and I saw that, no, this isn't right. And these aren't right things to do. So I apologize for the community or even words that are said. Hopefully, you know, as we continue in this journey, we definitely, especially with our brothers in Christ, know that, hey, at the end of the day, this isn't, a, this shouldn't divide us. This definitely shouldn't uh, be, you know, salvational in the sense that we should make it, you know, essential. It's something that's important, but again, to me, I've got a lot of great brothers in Christ right now that are definitely not on the side uh, of what I believe, but we're, we're great brothers in Christ. So I want to emphasize the fact that for me personally, I definitely want to be um, a strong role model in the sense of saying, hey man, at the end of the day, you know, everyone has their own journey. And I'll tell you right now, I mean, if I was listening to this broadcast, you know, maybe five years ago, I'd be laughing at it. <laughs> So, you know, we all, we're all somewhere. And I just think that, you know, uh, love is, is the most important and speaking truth and love is kind of what I want to do, but I really want to implore people to be like, Hey man, just, just what's it going to, what's it going to hurt to really, really search these scriptures, but look at scientism. I mean, in scientism exposed, I put just a few clips in there. You got, uh, Lawrence Krauss sitting there saying, don't thank Jesus for dying. Thank the stars for dying for you. It's the stars you should thank. And if you look at the redemption story of, science, of scientism, the stars birthed us. And you get into Aleister Crowley, and everyone's a star. Every man and woman is a star. And you start getting into the spiritual deep layers of this that I haven't even touched yet. In part two, I'm going to go a little deeper. And in part three, I'm definitely going to go really deep. But when it comes to, when it comes to the very deep, sinister, how this all links together with stars and the stars, and even the fact that they told them they're, they're suns, and you get into, like, the sun worship. And I'm definitely not saying that anyone that believes in heliocentrism or sun worshipers or anything like that. I just find it fascinating that Ecclesiastes says nothing new happens under the sun. And we have Rome, we've got the Greeks, we've got Egypt with Ra. Sun has always been a very, very prominent thing throughout time. And I find it interesting in our sophisticated technological scientific world, we are still revering the fact is, you know, even Copernicus went on to say that why are we giving the earth the significance? It's the sun that gives the light. It's the sun that brings life. The sun should have the prominence. And it's always been this push to, to adore the sun, not the earth. And I just think it's a big shift when all of a sudden the Bible teaches us that it's the earth that's the prominent place. It's special, it's unique, it's different. Why is it that the earth has to be the same shape as everything that we see? I mean, people will sometimes say, well, you know I mean, you're telling me, you know, and but to me, I think it's, it's very interesting to start thinking about it and going, if God's going to create something completely unique, and I know that's unique because there's life and, you know, us and all this, but beyond that, could it be that Satan was really trying to still distort it? I, I look at it in my research that Darwin was kind of like the fall guy. He was almost like the guy that was definitely everyone zeroed in on, including myself. We all zeroed in on the biological sciences, but no one ever really stopped and started looking at all of the cosmology, like the you know astronomy and different areas of science. They all focus on the biology because it affected me. You're telling me I came from an ape? No, I'm created special and unique, you know, from God. So we all took offense. We zeroed in on that. But the, the, all I say to people and I encourage them is saying, hey. If that was completely corrupted, and it's a big conspiracy, there's a lot of lies and cover-ups going on to keep that whole thing going, could it be that Satan has his hand in other forms of scientism, and in my opinion, are even more dangerous uh, in the whole scheme of things? Because, you know, this is something that's important to me, um, and I just encourage people to, you know, look at it. But at the end of the day, if all of a sudden you still aren't convinced, hey man, you're still a brother of Christ with me, and I'm fine with it. I just hope that people will, you know, take it serious and just look into it, because, you know, to me, it's something that's worthy of pursuit. Truth does matter. Right. And, you know, it's interesting you brought up, um, you know, the stars falling, one-third of the stars falling to Earth. And, uh, you know, you go to Acts 14, and it's really interesting, because you have the priest of Zeus there, 
uh, some translations have priest of Jupiter. And, uh, you know, Barnabas and Paul, they thought Barnabas was Jupiter and Paul was Mercury. Uh, some translations say, you know, Barnabas was Zeus and, and Paul was Hermes. But this idea that the, you know, these celestial bodies would appear as men on the ground. Kind of interesting when you look at, you know, what you just said and how Lawrence Krauss sitting there saying we're coming from, you know, we come from the stars, um, you know, the propaganda now that we have to, to leave Earth, you know, because the Earth, we're, we're just destroying Earth. So we have to get out of here. And, uh, you know, the exoplanets and all this stuff that they're discovering, you know, give, can you give us an example? You, you mentioned a couple times how, you know, the sciences or scientism, they don't offer any kind of conclusive evidence. Can you give us an example of, of something that uh, you mentioned a couple, but dig into more specifically, you know, what the claims are and then what the scientismists, I guess you can call them, uh, oh, yeah. what they, I, I mean, what one, they one, preach. One, yeah. And a lot of them are just really like, you know, simple, but one, one that I think a lot of people, when they start looking into is they go, okay, well, wait a minute, something's going on. I mean, the earth is told to be like 25,000 miles in circumference, these types of things. So when you start taking their calculations, not, our, not ours or anyone's really the science, the scientism, they basically throwing all this stuff together on their calculations. The problem, however, though, is when people out go out and actually do these experimentations, I mean, they, should not be able to see things like five or 10 or 15 or 20 miles away. They should be, you know, so much below the, the curvature of the earth. Like we've all been told that, you know, the ships go over the horizon. Well, the problem with that is now that we have all this technology, the minute that that ship disappears, grab your cell phone, zoom right in and there's the ship. Wait till it disappears again, zoom in some, you know, further. If you have a really high powered, like a P900 camera, I mean, you could keep zooming in on that thing for a long time. There is no, and that's the problem here. It's, it's, it's crazy, but really when you start conclusively trying to find, measure, do anything through the scientific method, you can't do it. And, you know, it'd be very easy if someone came through and said, hey, here's the experiment, here it is. And, you know, this wouldn't even be a topic. But I find it interesting after all this time, no one is conclusively just shutting it down. I mean, yes, there's all these theories and formulas and different things like this. But again, you know, when you have pilots coming forward and talking about, well, wait a minute, you know, if they're going to keep, you know, 30,000 at altitude and they never dip their nose. Well, you just, you start looking at the models and eventually they're going to fly into outer space. If they do not continually keep dipping their nose. And again, if you talk to all the pilots, when the pilots have come forward and even pilots that I've even talked to, they say, no, we never dip. I mean, we stay with our, you know, with our gyroscopes. Uh, we stay at complete altitude constantly. Well, you've got a big problem to stay at that altitude around a ball. You know, you're going to fly into outer space. So people are just constructing these things. They're taking the true science, the, you know, the empirical. They're trying to, you know, use as much as they can of this, um, getting outside of maybe the spiritual nature or the biblical pursuit of this. If you're starting at the scientific inquiry of it, one by one, it's not one or two. I mean, the list is like hundreds of things. I mean, uh, and they're not bringing anything to the table. I mean, they'll just say, well, you're not high enough. You've got to be at this altitude. Well, people that are getting to that altitude, I mean, they've sent up, you know, uh, weather balloons with not fisheye lenses or curved lenses, just straight lenses, you know, at 110,000 feet. And it's completely flat, like every which way. There's, I mean, you should be able to see massive curvature at that point. Um, you know, people are actually zooming in 100 miles away. Like in New Zealand, there was one guy that zoomed in. And I mean, this stuff should be 1.4 miles below the curvature. And he's, he's seeing it clearly. So there's just things like this that kind of keep coming up. Um, but I think the most profound thing is, is not really even getting into the shape of the earth, getting into this movement thing. Because, again, we're told, we have the Bible clearly 
saying over and over and over that we're still stationary fixed. I mean, there's a million different, like there's a lot of different adjectives to support. You have all these verses supporting the movement of the luminaries, the sun, the moon, the wandering stars. I mean, we've called them planets now, but it gets very fascinating if you want to do a really cool research. Research on the seven wandering stars or like the wandering stars like in Enoch and stuff. Very intriguing. It's like these guys went against the order and they're almost like penalized. They're almost going to be going to like a prison, you know, and it gets into the living nature of stars. Could stars be something completely different than what we're taught? There's a lot of stuff in the Bible to support the fact that there's a living attribute, the living stones of fire. Um, there's, you know, there's there's different verses in there that kind of support that nature. Maybe, you know, there might be something to that. But at the end of the day, I'll never conclusively say I know 100% exactly the way it works or what it does. But what I'm saying is when you have guys that are sincerely attacking the Bible, attacking Christ, completely with an agenda to deceive people and to say different things like this. To me, the Bible warns about, you know, the wisdom of the world. People that are going to be set up that are going to basically make people, you know, move away. And I just find that how many people have actually walked away from the Bible because of the ridiculous claims because it's gone against what scientism has taught. And I mean, you run into these people, including myself, for a long period of time. If it wasn't for God rescuing me and just, you know, even when I was even looking for him, I mean, there were different seeds in my life that were planted, but really it took kind of a supernatural, you know, wake up, you know, I'm, I'm going to use you type of scenario. But for me, this is the type of thing I was looking at the Bible. I'm like, you can't trust the Bible. I mean, these guys, you know, are ignorant. And, and that to me is the evolutionary lie that we come from the Neanderthals. They, it's okay. They were kind of dumb. And you know what? The Bible's great for, you know, a crutch and to make you feel good. But really, they didn't have a proper understanding of the world. But what I find really brutal about that is, well, when you start looking into it, you find some incredible technologies that were going on, you know, in ways we're becoming dumber, um, in my opinion. But I think that part of the lie is they don't want to show exactly how sophisticated and actually how smart, you know, people really were and we're moving away from that, and we're getting into these foolish notions. And I just think that it's very intriguing when you're dealing with something that basically, you know, Satan has got a lot of, you know, the New Age and world religions, and he's got all these different belief systems. But what is so incredible about scientism, it's not a belief system, it's fact. It's reality. It's science. How do you debate with science? You can't. It's science. I mean, like, duh. This is, I mean, we've already proved this. And, you know, next. So to me, I'm thinking it was so uh, really smart not just to have another belief system or whatever. It was like, I'm going to masquerade this. I'm going to infiltrate. And it's just like he infiltrates many things. He's infiltrated the church. He's infiltrated different things. He's infiltrated true science. That was a really good pursuit of understanding God's creation. And I believe early on, he knew the importance of infiltrating it so that he could masquerade his, you know, belief is uh, basically Satanism without the robes. But the whole thing with scientism is I think it's deadly. So all I'm saying to people, especially in Scientism Exposed, and for people that, you know, follow or, or listen to what I'm saying, I'm saying the biggest thing is just make sure whatever you believe, and you're going to basically like, I mean, you're going to stand on it. I mean, you're going to stand on that mountain. You'll die on that mountain. Just make sure it's true scientific, like it's true science, not scientism. Because if you start looking into it, and you're like, oh, wow. Uh, like you said before, it's like, then it's cool. It's like, well, I don't really know. And that's fine. I mean, people can say, I really don't know. They're saying this, but I've looked into it. It's not scientific. It, it's the theory. It's a, it's a good theory, maybe. It's just like evolution, the theory of evolution, the theory of gravity, the theory of relativity. All of these things hide under that, that banner. But when it comes down to, can you apply the scientific method to these things? And interesting, you know, I, I never looked into it, but when I did, I was like, what? you got to be kidding me. There's no experiment. 
to, you know, I mean, gravity for one, you know, it's never been measured, it's never been quantified, it's never been tested. I mean, there's nothing to it other than a theory that basically holds everything together. And without that, everything falls apart. But something as simple as that, you, we just take for granted. And we're like, okay, but has it gone through the scientific method? Is it truly scientific? Ver- you know, is it verifiable? Uh, and the answer is no. So if you want to stand on something, it's all good with me. It's great. Because at the end of the day, if you're standing on the Bible, that's awesome. And I believe that you can stand on it your whole life. And it's not like you're deceived if you don't come to this truth or anything like that. I don't believe that at all. I believe that everyone's on different paths and there's different passions and there's different ministries that God's called different people to. There's certain people that might find this, you know, really a worthy pursuit going at this or going at that. But at the end of the day, I just think it's very important. And that's why I wanted to get this film out to everyone and make sure that, you know, nothing hindered people from seeing this. And there's been such an incredible response. So many people, uh, you know, opening the Bible. And that's one thing I find very fascinating is when people uncover some of these lies they start going to the Bible like I've never seen. I mean, I've been uh, in many ministries, and I've never seen so many people uh, coming to the Bible through anything uh, when it comes to any conspiracy than the conspiracy to hide the true creator of creation. Right. You know, and it's fascinating, too, because we have such, uh, I'd say, scientific celebrities, people like Bill Nye and Neil deGrasse Tyson, who, you know, a lot of times they're, they're kind of this, they kind of take the same tactics that you were mentioning earlier, where they they'll just suddenly kind of burst into ad hominem or they won't give direct, uh, you know, evidence or experiments to to uh, falsify certain things. But they've become sort of uh, celebrities or kind of how gone mentioned earlier, they're almost like priests of this scientism. I mean, they're just held in such high esteem. And a lot of this comes from charisma and, you know, that they do well on camera, which, you know, if we're being honest is, uh, you know, there's a lot of preachers that, that, uh, get a lot of value from that. Isn't that um, striking though? Sorry to interrupt, but isn't that no. striking? If you stop and think about the fact that that's the best the world is giving us is a Neil deGrasse Tyson and a, and a, uh, Bill Nye. Like, I find that very, very, very startling. When you actually stop and think about, yeah, they're celebrities, and I understand that. But really, if this was like a big, conclusive, like, let's put this to rest, let's bring some real heavy-duty scientific minds and lay this to rest. And instead, they bring an actor, and they bring a guy. I mean, like, Bill Nye's not even a scientist. I mean, right. that's conclusive. He's an actor. But I just find that there's something very startling about the fact that these are the two big, prominent features. Like, let's call Bill Nye. Let's get him on the news, you know? Or let's get you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson. And I'm kind of going... Wow, like there's something really bizarre to me that really if the world, you know, this is just so sophisticated and this is so knowledgeable and, and everyone should know this, you know, why wouldn't you bring like the, the brightest? If these are the brightest, my goodness. And these guys are really, I mean, they've said some disastrous quotes uh, against the Bible. I mean, Neil deGrasse Tyson, I mean, he basically said God is a pocket of scientific ignorance. I mean, the, the quote in the, in the film is science makes God unnecessary, Right. So the question is, if these guys, that was Carl Sagan, quote, by the way. So if these guys are setting up quotes like this, saying stuff like, you know, Lars Krauss, I think uh, he also went on to say that if you teach your kids creationism, that's child abuse, right? These guys yeah. are incredibly, incredibly against this type of stuff. But it, to me, it seems like they're just mouthpieces, um, and they are very anti-biblical, anti-Christian. And I just find, and I think a lot of people are even waking up to that that aren't even Christian right now. Is they're going, interesting, you know, I know these guys are charlatans, but wow, they're not going after Buddha. They're not going after Muhammad. They're going after Jesus, right? Wait a minute. You know, so I think a lot of people are starting to wake up to seeing the way that Satan's working. And if they're bad and they're going against this, it's like, hey, I better look into Jesus a little bit more. So I've had some amazing conversations with so many different people. And I just know 
tons of people that really are like, hey, man, this is the first time I've ever opened a Bible in my life through this investigation of like, you know, so I, I find that really encouraging. But just to go on that point with uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson and Bill Nye, I'm just blown away by really after all this time. And I mean, just recently, you know, you got Kyrie Irving coming out, that NBA player, and you got more stuff hitting the news. And it's like, sure enough, they call those two guys. And I'm like, really? These are the scientific, like the, the masterminds of our time. Like, hopefully that's not written <laughs> in the history books, you know? Right, right. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. And, you know, I, I, I'm fascinated by this idea of scientism being like a spirituality because there's also been this sort of push. And, and uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson kind of talks about this, too. They'll talk about science. Um in sort of like a poetic or spiritual way. And then we also have, you know, little pockets here and there, whether it be new age or whether it be, you know, some, some type of, you know, uh, infiltration into Christianity or something, or even I believe the Dalai Lama said, Hey, whatever science says, that's what we're going to believe as a uh, uh, Buddhist. And so we see science even infiltrating uh, you know, pretty, pretty well-founded belief systems, uh, much less, well, you know, Pope, Christianity the itself. Came, the Pope just came out. I don't know if you saw that announcement, but he yeah. said God did not speak things into existence. He used evolution. And he basically 100% Pope Francis just put it out there for the entire, you know, uh, Catholic Church. But I just found that interesting because I would say, you know, for anyone looking into it uh, that's a believer, if the Pope is endorsing something, for me, it's a red flag. You know, that alone should almost speak volumes that he was so he was so adamant about basically making almost a mandate saying, no, church, this is what God has done. And I was like, he just linked right with scientism at that point. And I'm like, hey, with my eschatology, now it's really starting to fall into line. But I just thought that was interesting how he went so far as not just to embrace that. At which, if you kind of look back and you find out where the evolution, I mean, it came from a, a priest and stuff. The whole Big Bang was coined, you know. Um, but what I find is strikingly interesting is he went so far as to say it's absurd to think that God would just speak things into existence. I was like, wow, what a slap, you know? Like, I say there's a lot of Christians that would believe that God spoke things into existence. I mean, we could debate about a lot of things, but most of us would say he's God, you know, he can speak things into existence. But he doesn't 100% have to use evolution. I know it's a theory out there, but I'm thinking when a pope actually doesn't just leave it open to interpretation, he went so far as to actually tell everyone, no, God did it this way. And I was like, major red flags, you know, that should be a major red flag for a lot of people to look into it even more. Because now he's fully embracing scientism and everything it offers, you know, even to the point we were talking about space and aliens. I mean, he already is ready to baptize aliens when we find them, you know, when we find other right. life, he's all excited to baptize them. And I'm like, and then you got the you got the Catholic Church with the biggest telescopes in the world. I mean, their main telescope is called Lucifer. I mean, you can't even write this stuff. You think this is a comedy show, you know, but again, this is for real. I mean, their telescope is called Lucifer. And I mean, what are they looking at out there? And the question all becomes, and we have all these different theories, but again, what's really interesting is when you all of a sudden try to actually read the Bible without any science, without any worldview whatsoever, it's really tough to do, but if you try your best to do it, it's really intriguing what happens, because again, you ought to remember everyone's you know worldview is formed by something. We are all guilty of it. It's hard to read the Bible, not biased, but if you try to do it, it's very, very intriguing. But what I find interesting is that a lot of people are bringing in a lot of the world's wisdom and I think the red flags are going up more and more when all of a sudden, you know, you start seeing like the Pope embrace things and doing things like this. And then really the whole, you know, we can get into the alien uh, deception thing, because I think all of us would be in agreement that, you know, the alien deception thing, you know, is is more demonic uh, than, you know, extraterrestrial. I always tell people it's, 
not extraterrestrials, it's interdimensionals, you know, in the sense that these are, these aren't like beings from other planets that are, you know, are coming, hovering around. I would say that most Christians would probably hold to a view that, you know, this is uh, deception that, you know, that God created, uh, but it's not from, you know, 10 light years away that they traveled in a spaceship, you know, it's more of a dimensional type thing. But I just think the entire narrative of, of space, aliens, contact, uh, great deception, I think all of this stuff is really playing in. Even when we start investigating into stuff, uh, the question is, was our worldview shaped, uh, you know, biblically, or was it, was it shaped through scientism? If our worldview was shaped through science, wonderful, great, no problem. But if it was shaped by scientism, you need to look into scientism more because it is very, very dangerous, deceptive. And I believe that there's a lot more that, that goes on than uh, a lot of people know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, my question for you is, where does science belong? Like, what parts of science belong within, you know, the, the, the Christian life? What can we trust? What should we be listening to? What is there that, you know, obviously the Bible is not going to say, you know, cell phones are evil. Um, but, I mean, where does that fit? Where What are the limits of science? And, uh, you know, how how can Christians interact with it in a way that's not, you know, going to be uh, uh, a com- compromising over the long run? Well, it's going back to the, like the definition or getting into the true scientific method, empirical science, something that can be, you know, experimented, repeated, verified. To me, I think this is important. And, you know, you're getting into Romans 1 where it talks about how God made it very easy for people to understand throughout creation. Could it be, though, that there was a plan in place to make it very confusing so that God could kind of be, you know, uh, kind of hidden? I think Satan's attempt was really to try to hide God as much as he could in his paradigm, basically excluding God. So the fact is, they've kind of constructed an entire narrative that God's not needed. I mean, these are their words, not mine, right? They've said, look, right. God's not needed in any of our paradigm. The Big Bang, I mean, he's not even needed for that. So forget even evolution. So what I'm saying is, is he's tried his best, but the reality is this, Satan and all his power, his limited power, the one thing he can't do is he can't distort reality. He can basically teach lies and we can choose to believe them, but what he cannot do is he cannot bend reality. So with the scientific method, you can go out and verify with your senses, with what God has given you. I think that is the, the key here, is that you could go out and say, God, I'm going to prove all things you've given this. You know, I'm going to go out and see truly, you know, creation is showing me this. I've been told this. I'm going to go out and I'm going to prove all things through the scientific method. So to me, that there's, there's nothing more worthy of a pursuit than basically looking at the words of the Bible and saying, you know what, I'm going to go out and prove that through the scientific method. That's wonderful. That's awesome. So I, in the Christian life, you know, for years and years, I always heard, you know, like they'll say, the Bible's a science textbook and stuff. The reality is this, though. The Bible's beyond a science textbook or a history textbook. It's the Word of God. So even to label it even as literature, I think there's a danger in that. I think the Bible is full-on truth. It's the reality. We judge everything by the Bible. We don't apply anything to interpret the Bible, including even our worldview. We have to read it, and we have to say, okay, if this is the case, and it's saying, uh, you know, that we're still, then if the world is telling me that it's spinning, moving, it's flying, it's wobbling, it's doing whatever, there should be something in reality to 100% conclusively prove for all people, if they want to apply the same experiment, um, to prove it. And, and to me, that's a way of honoring God. That's a way of God honoring us and saying, see, you know, I, I am who I say I am. To me, that's the stuff that's been lost. We just listen. Scientists discovered, you know, eight new exoplanets, and oh, wow, we congratulate them. But who are the scientists? 
I mean, we hear all these announcements, but no scientists come forward. Who are these people? You know, and then you'll hear like nine out of 10 scientists. Well, I want to talk to the one that disagrees. What does he have to say? Why doesn't he believe, right? So these are the type of things, but we hear all these things. Like, I mean, and again, this gets into other issues with scientism that I'm going to get into in, uh, in part two, um, is getting into even like vaccines or climate change. Because again, the science is settled, they tell us. But it's very intriguing when you find out that there is a lot of very qualified scientists coming forward and saying it's not settled, right? This is not conclusive. There's no proof to show that man is warming the planet or whatever. So to me, I'm like, when they are telling us there's no debate, you know, and they're ridiculing anyone, they're calling us climate change deniers, or they're calling us whatever they want to call us. The fact is, it's fine and dandy, but when you've got a lot of people that are coming forward and saying, well, where's the scientific? Where's the proof on this? Well, no, I mean, we have a consensus. I mean, we have, well, we already know in the evolutionary thought that if you come in with a different thought, you're pretty much ostracized. I mean, I don't know if you guys ever saw the documentary Expelled, uh, No Intelligence Allowed by uh, yeah, ben. ben Stein. Yeah, but again, you can kind of see uh, there's definitely a bias going on. I include a clip in there, uh, you know, especially with his famous, you know, interviewing uh, Dawkins when Dawkins admits, well, yeah, there, there could be a creator, but he'd be, you know, evolved through, you know, the evolutionary method. But the startling thing with that was these people were frightened to even come out with some of the data they had pulled together because they knew that their job was over. So a lot of the times this has been an intimidation and fear and nobody has really stuck up, you know, stand, stood up on these things. So what I find fascinating is that when you start looking at other areas of scientism, you're seeing this right across the board. You're seeing this with money. Money's the big motivator in different industries and stuff like that. But but one by one, you're seeing data changed, moved. And when I'm thinking when it comes to creation, when it comes to a very profound thing, especially how God you know illustrated it, to me is one of the most dangerous because, like I said, our entire worldviews, every one of us, uh, we're shaped. And it doesn't matter what religion, doesn't matter what belief system you are, we all come from the same worldview. Whether, you know, you believe in aliens, you don't believe in aliens, or this or that, we all have that construct. I mean, they put little mobiles in, like, baby cribs of the solar system. What I'm saying is, has the solar system been 100% scientifically verified? Or have we just got a bunch of pictures? And what I find startling, and this is one thing that got me, is it's 2017, and we still do not have a video footage of the Earth spinning. It doesn't exist. And furthermore, when you start looking at the Earth, you know, from space, you know, try to find a real photograph of the Earth. NASA admits on every one of the pictures you'll find on Google, it's a rendering. It's CGI. It's a composite. It's a so. If you want to put all your faith in NASA, that's fine. You can study what NASA is about, the foundations, Aleister Crowley, the different links that are going on with, with Jack Parsons. But beyond that. If all of a sudden there's an agency that's basically giving us all our knowledge for the entire universe, because pretty much them and other space agencies, really, do we want to make sure that it's truly scientific or is it just a bunch of stuff that they're, I mean, how are they seeing, you know, 10 light years away or 14 light years away? One light year is like 6 trillion miles. I mean, some of these things you got to understand that in our technology, what kind of lens do you have on the camera to see even at 1 trillion miles away? Some of these numbers they float around are absurd, and we have to start going, well, wait a minute, it's 2017. They're being able to zoom in. Why don't they zoom in on, on, the, uh, on the rover on the moon? I mean, if they could see that far away, they could clearly, you know, they could zoom in on anything. But the, the fact is they're pointing their cameras outwards. They're constantly, you know, desperately looking for life. And I do believe that they are going to make contact. Something's going to happen. My question, I guess, to you guys, guys, is what do you think the church overall is going to do when science and NASA conclusively prove that we've made contact or we found that other life? Will they, A, you know, uh, reject it and say, well, they've gone too far. Now they're going against the Bible. I I reject this. Or are they going to try to put that 
into the Bible. And I'm just saying, at what point do we actually stop and go, well, wait a minute, you know, when you understand their agenda, when you understand the beginnings of NASA, when you understand all these pursuits, and then you start asking yourself, wait a minute, they're telling us all this. They're saying they have a rover on Pluto and all this kind of stuff. And yet the ISS guys, you know, um, and, uh, they basically, I have it in the, in the documentary, they say that hopefully with all of our research and stuff we're compiling here on the ISS, one day we'll be able to go to the moon or Mars or beyond. And my question is, wait a minute, you went there in a piece of cake in the 60s, which if you actually start looking at the Apollo and you start looking at it, uh, the technology, it looks, it, it's actually laughable. But regardless, the fact is, why aren't they there every month? Why aren't they, you know, and my thing is that they're going to kick the can down the road. I do not believe they've ever been to the moon, nor do I believe we will ever see it in our lifetime, nor will our children see it. They will say we're going off further where we can't verify it. But the reality is that technology is caught up to the moon. And, I mean, I have a very powerful camera. I can zoom in on the moon, unless they go to the dark side of the moon that no one can see. And, I mean, that would be an interesting thing if they decide to go to the moon. But, unfortunately, oh, we're going to the side that no one's ever seen. I find that really interesting, too, that no one's ever seen the other side of the moon, other than that, you know, pictures from NASA. And that one thing they released, I think it was last year, which honestly looked like plasticine. It looked it looked like clay stop-motion animation. It was really ridiculously looking. Uh, and people had to laugh about it. But they said, hey, we got to a million million miles out and got this perfect picture and you know but again all these stories but the question is is it scientifically verifiable can you conclusively through the scientific method prove these things so all i'm saying is put stuff in different camps no matter where you stand on the subject just classify it and go well that's true science i'm good with that everyone's in agreement but hey unfortunately even though i really like this and i believe in this i gotta put it in the scientism and then look into scientism because if it's just the theory of men then we're dealing with a whole different situation because we're not applying the scientific method and again as a christian there is nothing more better than, you know, applying the scientific method to understand God's creation. And a science has brought us a lot of wonderful things, don't get me wrong. I believe it's been infiltrated, and I believe that Satan has masqueraded truth and reality inside something that is a very, very dangerous uh, theory, and it leads to a lot of people, um, you know, losing their faith and also attacking the credibility and the authority of the Bible, which I think is publicly enemy number one for Satan, is if he can kind of destroy you know, people doubting the Bible. I mean, what can I believe? I can't believe anything. If I can't, you know, if there's one error in there, they couldn't get the creation right. They didn't even understand how the cosmos worked. Well, I can't trust nothing they say. So to me, I think that's why it's so important when it comes to Genesis and the foundations. If you rock the foundations, the building will fall. And I believe that that's why this discussion is so important is because when you start with creation and God completely talking about the mechanics, the order, how things were created, you know, evolution tells us that we came out of the sea. Well, that's interesting. The Bible says the exact opposite. It says the land animals were created beforehand. So what I'm saying is that when you take that, like I said before, apply looking at what the Bible says, literally, and then look what scientism has taught us, and you're going to see it completely flipped. It's like upside down, like Satanism teaches you to write backwards and do everything backwards. It's like they wanted to flip the Bible completely backwards, and whatever it said, let's go the exact opposite. Let's not go similar or kind of close. It was almost like in the rule book or something. It's like, nope, sorry, you're going to have to actually flip it and see if people, if men, will actually go so far as to believe some of these things, you know, that you, they evolved from apes, you know? Some of these yeah. things are, you know, and that's the thing I think a lot of people stand on is the evolutionary lie. But again, the question I get, I get told a lot of times, you're a conspiracy theorist. I'm like, okay, the biggest conspiracy in the Bible, obviously, was the, uh, you know, the death of Jesus. I mean, that was a conspiracy to get him crucified. But when you get into, like, evolution and stuff, 
you know, most Christians will admit, yeah, there's a conspiracy going on. There's there's a cover-up. There's people trying to hide it. Well, isn't it a bit of a, not much of a stretch to just imagine that there could be more of a cover-up going on with some other, especially where did where was evolution birthed from? Follow it back, get into the root. Where did it all begin? And I tell you right now, I, myself included, never really looked into the Big Bang narrative of how suns were formed and all that. And all I know is in their narrative, whether you're going to attribute it to God, just understand that everything in the Bible, you're going to have to actually start working all the order, the mechanics, everything outside of that. Or you could go with a lot of Christians will say, well, I believe God spoke everything into existence. I don't care how. And that's fine, too. He just created everything and you stay with that. And I think that a person can lead a wonderful, productive, you know, God-like Christ-honoring uh, life by believing that, I just think that some people will say, hey, I, I am called to actually, you know, I want to go a little deeper on this. And, and at the end of the day, you know, we're just truly standing on the Word of God. And if, if that's our biggest fault, that we, we just stood on the literal, you know, every word of the Word of God, uh, whether people laughed at us or we disagreed, at the end of the day, I just, I truly want to stand on the Word of God because I just think that it's, it's really important. But I know that some people might not go that far, and like I didn't for years. So for whatever reason, this is you know, the years that I got into the subject matter, and maybe I'll be on something else, you know, in the future. But for now, it's important, and God definitely wants me to um, to speak on it and just encourage people saying, do you really believe what I have said? You know, and I, I say that all the time, um, you know, on the back of the DVD, it's like, what if there's been an agenda to keep people from the truth of God? What if everything modern-day science has taught you about your origins is wrong? Make no mistake, the very foundations of all mankind's knowledge depends on what it's believed to be the truth, about the origin of all that exists. So to me, it's just when you when you start your entire worldview on everything on the origins, the question is, let's go back to the scientism origins and follow it back. Oh. Yep. Did we lose you? Oh, there you are. Okay. Yep. <laughs> um, you know, and what I find inter- interesting as well is, well, I guess I pose this question to you, and that is, if we can't trust NASA or we can't trust the established scientific uh, community, if we can't trust what authorities tell us or people who, you know, I mean, the argument would be, look, the scientists went to uh, school for a long time, they do a lot of study, then they have to do this sort of apprenticeship, and then they have to work in a lab for 10 years or whatever it is until they're actually able to start studying things. Uh, The question at that point is, you know, who can we trust? What can we trust? And I mean, is this sort of a call to, uh, to sort of ignore anything that we're told as far as science goes. I mean, you mentioned there's some experiments that each individual can can go out and do themselves, but I could see an argument uh, coming from the scientific community being saying, like, well, well, there's a lot of stuff you can't do. That's why we have laboratories. That's why we have, uh, you know, lasers, and that's why we have uh, whatever they have. That lasers. That's apparently all I think scientists <laughs> do is play with lasers. Um, You know, I mean, there comes a point where even just the vocation of being a scientist, if if we can't believe anything that comes out of the scientific authorities, um, you know, why do why do we even have scientists? Really? I could see that I I could see that argument coming from some people. 
Yeah, and I mean, just like we were talking about expelled and stuff, I mean, I think there's some good people that are really trying to find the truth. Um, but again, the question is, when all of a sudden, like, in expelled, they completely you know, are off camera or worried for their job or are getting written out of journals and stuff, you can start to see an agenda. You can start to see that they're not asking questions anymore. They have a narrative. As long as it fits the narrative, hey, we're cool with that. But if you bring in any data that goes against this. So I think there's a lot of great, you know, scientists out there. And again, really, when it comes down to pursuit of like data to find out, you know, what's true, it's wonderful. But when it comes to like evolution, like I said, a lot of that stuff's been corrupted to the point where, you know, it's almost like a fraternity now. It's almost like you're you're with the cool crowd. And if you even dare question, it's like, what? What did you just say? You know, it's like, I mean, you just don't dare do it. I mean, you'll just lose your funding. You'll, so I think there's a lot of things at play now. But no, I definitely wouldn't say, um, you know, discount everything, but like prove all things, test it to the word of God. So for me, it's kind of like when everything is going on, it's like we have the full authority. We don't have to go off to like seminary. We have the Bible. We don't have to go off and get a PhD uh, to understand God's creation or how he made it. So to me, the whole argument that, you know, we need all this knowledge or this education or something, you know, I definitely think there's a fallacy there. Uh, it's kind of the argument that the Catholic Church says, like, oh, we need to interpret this for you. You know, mere man can't read this. You know, that's dangerous, right? So to me, it's like, is it dangerous when God would want to verify the fact that the Bible is true, that every single word, every jot and tittle, everything he said, no matter how laughable it seems, like when Jesus said, every star is going to fall to the earth, the heavens are going to dissolve, and every you know star is going to fall to the earth. Well, the fact is, is Jesus truly saying that? Or is it figurative? Is it poetry? Do we now just apply, you know, human construct of like literature and like poetic and allegory and a lot of this, you know, hermeneutics and exegesis and all this stuff have just applied all these man-made kind of ideas around it. But I'm like, this is the word of God. So we can't really do that. We've got to like look at it in context. And I understand there's some things that are poetic, but even with poetic language, for example, when it says like the sun, you know, uh, races out like a a bridegroom and, and joyfully you know, runs his course and stuff. It's still conveying something that the sun is moving. We've been told by scientists and the sun doesn't move. Everything revolves around the sun. But you've got multiple verses of the sun moving. I mean, you've got Joshua that's historic and there's nothing poetic about it. And it says clearly that the sun and the moon stopped. And not only did they stop when they were commanded to stop, they stopped over very precise, specific locations. And I'm thinking that's interesting. It doesn't just say they stopped. It said they stopped over two specific areas. I'm going, huh. So you start looking up those areas and, you know, there's times when the sun and the moon are out, you know. Uh, you start getting into the Bible where it talks about the, the sun being masculine, the moon being feminine. What I find really intriguing when you start looking into the Hebrew and Greek and stuff, it's very intriguing when you get into the fact that the sun will not give his light. But it talks about the moon. The moon will not give off her light. Well, if the sun is reflecting, the, you know, the sunlight is reflecting off the moon, the verse would be like this. It would say, you know, the moon will not give off his light. But what's really intriguing, another scientific experiment anyone can do, and this is absolutely fascinating, people are finding out that the sun basically gives off warm light and the moon gives off cool light. Now, that's a really problematic, and no one's come forward to fully explain that scientifically at all. But what's really intriguing, Rob Skiba and other people, I mean, they've done it themselves. I haven't personally. I know a lot of people that have. Uh, you can buy a real cheap kind of you know laser thermometer infrared, and you can kind of go out. But what's really fascinating is when you go out in the sun, you're hot. When you go into the the shade, you cool down. Well, the opposite is true with the moon. You go out in the moon and you're cold. When you go into the moon shade, you warm up. 
And not only that, you warm up to, uh, I think, up to about 12 degrees. So people have done like really conclusive experiments because they're like, well, okay, we got to make sure that the conditions are right and it's on this type of material. And, but, I mean, multiple people all over the world have done this experiment. It's fascinating. It'll blow your mind because you'll be out there and sure enough, you'll point the laser thing and instantly you've got up to 12 degrees variance. Why is it that you're warming up in the moon shade? not cooling down. And again, if it is the sun, I mean, try to explain that scientifically. You can't. But yet the Bible says they were two lights. You know, we've all said, I did myself personally. I'm like, yeah, well, that just, God didn't mean two lights. He just meant that, you know, the sun's reflecting off the other one, so they're lights to us. But it goes further than that, and it starts talking about him and her, masculine and feminine. And in the eschatology, in the end times, it says the moon will not give off her light not his light. The moon is its own light source. I mean, I don't fully understand it. I'm not even going to tell people how to understand it. I'm just going to say the Bible says it. I believe it. Even if the whole world laughs at me and says, oh, you're stupid. We've, we all know it's the sun. Really? Well, why is it getting off a cooling light? If you put food in the moonlight, it has a different property than in the, in the sunlight. So these two lights, and we're finding through science that we've only got to a certain point in true science where we've discovered certain light sources that we can actually do a cooling light now. There's that technology that's out now that basically substantiates the fact that you can actually have a light rather than heat being performed from it. It can actually cool. It's like a blue light. But you can clearly see with you know experimentation, this is verifiable. You can do this over and over again. You can have multiple people do it, and anybody can do it. So that's the one big thing I find very fascinating with this is we've, we, we've gone to a point where we feel that the scientists are only those people with the degrees. The reality is that every one of us are scientists. Every one of us can go out and apply the scientific method to whatever we want to conclusively prove something because we have all the formulas. And when we start doing that, when you start doing these experiments and go, whoa, wait a minute, could it be that the Bible's right that it's its own light? I mean, we, we discounted that for a long time. But what if the moon, I don't understand how it works, but what if the moon has its own light source? I mean, that blows your mind right away. But then you start reading into the moon, you start doing a study, and you get into Enoch or other areas, you're like, wait a minute, wow, this is really expanding on the fact that this whole time, you know, I just went with the narrative that was the sun, you know, reflecting off of the moon. But now we're dealing with the situation, and there's going to be multiple experiments going even further. What this is fascinating, people have even started to do this, look this up. You take a magnifying glass, and I don't know if you were in your kid, you burnt ants or you burnt paper. I mean, I, I remember burning paper. It was kind of fun. You could, you could get a real hot day with a magnifying glass, and you could, like, start burning, you know, a hole in the paper. Well, what people are doing is they're finding that they can actually start freezing stuff or making stuff cooler through magnification in the moonlight. So if you take a magnifying glass instead of the sunlight, take it with the moon, and you can actually take those degrees even further if you're magnifying moonlight. So to me, these are things that the scientific community cannot answer. There is no, I mean, I've looked every high and low for any explanation scientifically. They can't. It's kind of almost an embarrassment. And what do you do? You have this data, and people are doing it all over. And again, with this whole pursuit, there are some very, very high credential people starting to actually look into this. You've got engineers. Uh, one of the guys that's in the film, Brian Mullen, uh, that actually is the executive producer of uh, Scientism Exposed. I mean, he's licensed in four states as an engineer. And I mean, coming to this topic, you know, he just started going, wait a minute. I was taught all these physics, I took astronomy. Now he goes, I'm going to start questioning it. I'm going to start applying, you know, on the stuff that I was taught. When he started doing that, he found all sorts of problems. He's come up with some really good series, getting into physics, getting into, and he's going to be, you know, talking a lot more about that and getting into some stuff in Scientism Exposed too. But I just find it fascinating that there's, 
people like engineers coming forward. There's people from the military that are dealing with like, you know, missiles or dealing with, uh, you know, snipers have come forward based on the fact they say, well, we got to take into account the Coriolis effect and we got to take it. And they're coming forward saying, no, we don't. So when it comes to curvature, you know, when they're hitting targets, you know, hundred miles away, you know, with a missile, I mean, again, how are they even seeing these targets? So they're coming forward and they're saying, look, I seen it myself. We had, we had our, you know, we're seeing these, you know, subjects were, and the biggest, I think one of the biggest proofs is water. Water always finds its level and nobody can find any curved water anywhere. Uh, you can't find a real uh, example of it. Uh, you can't apply the scientific method to curve water around any ball with any type of spin or uh, so. I'm just finding it interesting that if we're going to look into certain things and apply the scientific method, just make sure that it truly is scientific and it's all good. But again, if you're really holding all of your beliefs in inside scientism, maybe question scientism more and say, could they have an agenda? Could it be maybe satanic? Could it be spiritual of nature? You know, even if you don't hold to that, just wait a minute. Let's start going and reading between the lines. What are these guys about? What are the guys really are, you know, viciously against? And what I find surprising time and time again is these guys have it out for the Bible. They don't want people even to read the Bible. Uh, and you can clearly see that, you know, these guys come off as atheists. They, they don't believe in God. But you can clearly see the hatred uh, when you start doing your investigation. And you start to see that this is spiritual. And there are some big stakes, uh, you know, that are at play for sure. Yeah. You know, one question, just because Gons and I actually were <laughs> talking about this a, a little while back. Uh, one thing that I, uh, maybe I've just missed it, and that is, what's the explanation for the phases of the moon, if it really is, uh, well, you know? I mean, a lot of people will say, you know, with the, the phases, I mean, I have, uh, I, there's a there's a little toy, uh, it's called Moon in My Room, it's by Uncle uh, Milton or something. Anyways, it's like a nightlight or whatever, but it's, I mean, Rob Skiba did a thing on this too as well, um, but I did a video on this about the, the moon, and anyway, it just shows the phases of the moon with a light inside, and you kind of look at it, and you're just, you're watching it, and you're like, huh, interesting. The big explanation they have, you know, when it comes to, um, you know, the eclipses, or when they come into these different phases, if you actually start looking into it, if that's an area that you're really intrigued about, I'm telling you right now, the amount of research and the amount of people that have actually started looking into these subjects, and again, I'm not one to talk on it personally, but I know that if, if it's a, something that's interesting, it doesn't matter what the topic is. I mean, I would say that almost every question has been tackled uh, 10 times over and then some, uh, and there is some extraordinary stuff. But I, I was almost hoping in this pursuit that there's stuff come up that was so much stuff that was like, oh my goodness, yeah, like we can't even touch that. Like that, there's every one of these things have major holes. It's like evolution. It's like there's a lot of people that believe in evolution, even though that there's a lot of inconsistencies and big holes, and you can choose to believe what you want within that narrative. But it's the same thing. Just because they have told us this is exactly what happens, there's major problems. So when you start applying, you know, your pursuit looking at, say, cosmology, start to take one area and just look at the other side and when you start doing it and then look at the bible and when it starts supporting more of the bible you just gotta ask yourself a question well that's interesting i mean some of the data is now pointing towards this you know like i said the data is pointing to the fact that the moon is giving off a cool light i mean you can look this up and it will blow you away so that one thing would verify you know the bible on a literal sense hypothetically if you were going to take those verses literal at least it would verify it through some scientific experiment that we can actually all do you know, it costs you it costs you twenty dollars to buy one of these thermometers, and you can go out on any night. Uh, so, to me, these are the intriguing things that it's not like just some PhD or in a lab. 
We can all do this. I mean, and there's so many, there's experimentation going on with uh, rainbows. Rainbows cannot be created without a second light source. So it's almost like there needs to be a reflective light source. Well, how does that work, you know, without it being reflected out there? So the question is, could it be reflecting off something? Could there be some sort of firmament? I mean, who knows? At the end of the day, I never conclusively uh, ascribe to any model. I don't, I do it more figuratively than anything, but I never once ever say this is conclusively 100% my model. This is how it works. I don't know. And quite honestly, I just, I just marvel and go, Lord, you know, I don't know. And I'm okay with that because you're God and I'm not. I just want to be in awe the rest of my days going, I don't know. But to think that basically they've mapped everything out, they know the weight circumference, they know the dimensions. I mean, they basically are, are saying they see things that are 40 billion light years in the past. I mean, that one time when they discovered gravity, it wasn't just 40, you know, trillion miles away. It was 40 trillion years ago in the past that they discovered it. And I'm going, what, what kind of technology are we talking about when you're seeing stuff in the past? But again, people gobble this stuff up. But every time there's a pursuit getting into some of these things, sure enough, NASA releases a new announcement. And it seems like NASA is releasing an announcement on a weekly basis. And some of this stuff, we just have to stop and going, wait a minute. You know, how do we know for sure? Just a group of people, you know, verified this, you know, is this truly under the scientific method? But for me, uh, if you start looking into any one of these things that, uh, you know, you both are discussing or you're really intrigued with it, you know, that, that's the wonderful thing about this. It's just asking the questions. I mean, that's the coolest part about the whole thing is, wow, we're, we, I never thought in a million years I'd be questioning gravity or I'd be questioning the moon. Like, could it be that, you know, it's not the sun reflecting, like, it, it's its own light source that God actually created that unique and that I can take these verses literal? So I just tell people, it's like, you choose, you know, and even as an experiment, try it, you know, try and say, okay, well, if I was going to take all these verses literal, what would happen? Could I use the scientific uh, method? to, you know, conclusively prove if I took this literal verse. And like I said, just the moon example, as far as the cooling light instead of the warming light, to me, verifies a bunch of verses, uh, not to mention when you start getting into, you know, different areas where, you know, uh, it talks about the luminaries, talks about how the moon works. And I mean, uh, Enoch goes into great detail how the moon works as far as the phases. Uh, I know Zen Garcia has done a, a few uh, really good books on getting into even Enoch. He's got into a few things. And there's some really deep research going on. So it's not just biblical. It's not just conspiratorial. It's also scientific. I find this fascinating, this topic, because you can hit it from three angles. You can go right from the Bible. You can go right from, you know, conspiracy type, uh, hey, let's look into, you know, what's going on here. Or you could go, you know what? I don't even care about either of those. I care about what's scientifically proven as fact through the scientific method. And people are, you know, as we're talking right now, I'm sure someone's doing an experiment, laser experiment over, you know, water somewhere. And they're finding, they're finding that, wait a minute, I shouldn't be able to see that thing. And there it is. I mean, how do you, you know, how, how can that be supported? The only thing that I can say is maybe, you know, it's 18 times bigger than what they've told us. They're wrong on all their figures. Or that we have a different shape going on. But the only problem is NASA's given us all those pictures of those perfect spherical, you know, uh, planets or the Earth. And then you got Neil deGrasse Tyson and other scientists coming forward saying, no, it's an oblate spheroid. It's actually bulges, right? At the right. equator, significantly so. So who's, so who's telling the truth there? So is, are those guys out to lunch, the, the great spokespeople of scientism? You know, or is NASA, you know, taking these photos? Somebody is not being consistent in their story. So, but the question is, could they both be wrong? They both have gone, oh, well, you know, this didn't work out. Now we're, you know, you know, everyone talks about the contradictions in the Bible, which, you know, all there's no errors in the Bible. And everyone wants to point in the Bible. What about the contradictions in scientism? And if you start looking into it, they're fumbling over different things, left, right and center. They're not in agreement with certain things. and They're getting kind of caught in their lives. And I believe that, you know, everything, you know, uh, will be uncovered. Everything will come to light. 
And I just believe, I don't know why this time, I just believe that this is an important time that certain things outside of even the biological scientists, um, you know, are coming to light. And it's just, it, like I said, it's, it's amazing for me to see so many people coming to Jesus, coming to the Bible through the topic of looking into NASA or wow, they could have lied. And I've talked to so many people that are like, for the first time in my life, you know, I was an atheist my whole life. There, there's a God, there's a creator. I mean, it's like that first step. But again, like almost everyone in these circles, they're opening up that Bible and they're reading it because they're like, whoa, you know, because they're already convinced they've lied. Now they, they're hungry for the truth. And I've been in a lot of different ministries, but I've never seen so many people hungry for the Bible, studying it. I mean, I talked to many different people, um, and the stories I'm hearing, even after scientism exposed, you know, like unbelievable uh, testimonies. And I mean, I know Rob Skeeve has got a whole page dedicated to it. I mean, we probably couldn't keep up with how many emails we're getting of people that are just completely surrendering their life and going, wow, you know, I was so deceived, and, you know, where do I start in the Bible? So I've just never seen so many people run to the Bible when all of a sudden they've discovered their entire worldview, you know, was a lie. Um, and it could start easy as like evolution or it could, but again, I really do believe for a lot of people listening or yourselves really look into NASA because if NASA have really lied to us on some big scale things and the moon, there's nothing bigger than the moon, because if you're going to lie about the moon, I think we could all be in agreement that they'd lie about a whole lot else. Right. And again, because I mean, if, if people are going to believe that. So to me, it's like really look into that because the question is, why in the world would they go to all that trouble? And where have they gone? And how far can they go if they can't even get to the moon? You know, and they're trying to say they're in Pluto and they're sending back pictures from Mars, which, I mean, what kind of Wi-Fi connection do they have to transmit pictures back, you know, 100, 100 million miles away? I mean, some of these distances are absurd. And we have a hard time right now, you know, Skype maybe cutting out or our cell phone if we drive out into the country. I mean, we lose connection. And they're going to tell us that, you know, they're sending pictures back from Mars from their rover. So I think a lot of this stuff, it could be, you know, science fiction. I think that if you start looking at the beginnings of NASA, when sci-fi even started being created, when you start getting into the media narrative, they start trying to really piece this all together going, whoa, could it be this big? And I think that's just the biggest question that people need to ask. And it's sometimes really tough. Could it be this big? And uh, surprisingly for me, it was like, wow, like this is big. I mean, it, and all these other conspiracies, 9-11, chemtrail, GMO, whatever you wanted to talk, they all fit inside this construct, which I find very fascinating. It's almost like, to me, I look at it as like the, the grandfather lie almost, where all this stuff exists, but everything starts connecting and you're like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, I was looking at things in the conspiracy side of things for this angle. But then when you start looking at the entire narrative of, like, it was really important to, you know, bring in a whole scientific worldview, uh, to bring in maybe the alien deception, to, you know, these are just ideas. I never, ever go on the record and say, you know, this is the great deception. But what I do say, could it be that having a science, scientism worldview will be easily, you'll, you'll easily be able to digest the great deception easier. Uh, and I'm talking for people. So I never ever say that scientism is the great deception or people will be deceived if they believe in the Big Bang heliocentric universe. But what I'm saying is it affects all men. And, and could it be that it will be easier to believe the lie if you've already got that construct? You know, so to me, I'm looking into this further. I'm looking into my research, but I do believe that uh, a lot of this stuff has been really programmed because Satan's not just 
trying to destroy the credibility of the Bible. He's also trying to bring upon the eschatology, the end times, uh, for the narrative, you know, with the, the Antichrist. And the question is, how is the Antichrist going to appear? How is the narrative going to be, you know, when all of a sudden, you know, you got the watchers and all these different, like, scenarios? But to me, we have moved into a technological, scientific worldview. No one can debate that. So the question is, will they appear to us not as gods or as entities or as intelligent beings from other planets? And I think when you have scientists, NASA, and all these guys all talking about, oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's other beings and life, we're going to discover life. The question is, what's going to happen once life is discovered? Or what are they trying to prepare mankind for? You know, the, the alien deception. And I, I still hold that aliens are going to play a big part in um my eschatology in the end times, uh, I believe that it, it will be uh, put in there. Uh, but I don't look at it like it will be bad. It will be like they've watched us for a long time. There are creators, maybe. They're the ones that planted the DNA into the monkey. But, you know, transpermia type stuff. But I believe that they will be the watchers, the, the ones that have been watching us. There are creators. They've loved us from day one. Don't worry. We're here. We've been watching you. You know, we're going to help you. But, hey, we got to let you know on one thing, though. There's a really evil entity out there you know, called Yahweh, the Borg, and it's awful. Don't worry. We're not going to leave your side. We're not going to, you know, we're going to help you fight. Because it clearly says in the Bible that when he's seen in the sky, they try to basically, you know, make war with him. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, you got to have a lot of hate in your heart. I mean, what kind of, you know, ideology is that? But I'm thinking that we were constantly warned of a threat coming from outside. And we had helpers to help us fight this great fight. We would easily band together and try to blow this, you know, uh, you know, God out of the sky in the sense. So I've always thought, just with media, uh, with all my investigation, that aliens or the whole deception plays a big part in this deception. And when you start getting into these sophisticated scientists, like uh, I'm not going to say Neil deGrasse Tyson or Bill Nye, but when you get into Carl Sagan and when you get into uh, these guys, uh, Dawkins, Dawkins is admitting that you know it's not even a likelihood; it's it's an absolute certainty that the there's like trillions of life forms and that we will, you know, at whatever point, you know, discover them, they had come through evolution. And quite honestly, I believe that it's going to uh, fill in all these missing links in the scientism um, story that they can't fill right now because these guys will come and fill in the, the blanks for them. They'll say, no, 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 it's okay. I think we knew you were confused, but we were the ones that, you know, planted you or whatever. But I just think that these guys are the fallen ones. These guys aren't good. They will be friends to humanity, and I think they will prepare us for the coming battle, and it won't be good all around. Yeah, you know, that's interesting. That's a kind of a outlook that I think a lot of us looking at the alien deception thing has come to, is that, you know, uh, the Watchers will appear as sort of the helper aliens, so to speak, and they're going to talk about this evil alien that's coming, and that'll be the return of Christ, and everything's flipped you know, but just touching real quick on the, the moon thing that you were talking about, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I, I'm reminded, ironically, of um, a document that I ran into when I was doing research for Age of Deceit 2 and, and looking at alchemical documents and, um, you know, ancient alchem alchemy uh, methods and stuff like that. And um, one document I found, and I didn't really uh, mention it or talk about it in the film, but uh, I may have mentioned it in a past Canary Cry Radio episode. I don't know, Basil might remember. But basically, as part of the procedure to you know change base metals into gold, one of the things that you know is recommended on, on this particular list or uh, or a step by step list here is to take dew that has uh, only that, that like morning dew that has been 
that you have to collect, and then it has to come from Moonlight, which I th- just rem- for some reason it just reminded me of that, which I thought was interesting. But um, you know, maybe these ancients and these alchemists and stuff, you know, there's no proof that they really had it figured out, but they had some principles that were, you know, a little bit more in tune with what's really going on, and perhaps you know, uh, they were onto something in a different way. Now, the other part of it that I find interesting is that most everything with um, uh, either going really small, you know, going into the, the quantum realms and, you know, scientists aren't, you know, they're still not exactly sure what's going on at the quantum level. Obviously you have CERN and they're doing stuff, you know, but it's very, uh, you know, it's, it's unclear, you know, the scientists aren't quite sure. That's why, you know, they're the spooky action. There's all kinds of terminology there to try to explain this, the strange phenomena at the quantum level. The thing is that they they say that you know if you expand it out into space or if you or the you know this model that we've been taught there is a a big problem because there's no consensus right and that you know there's uh the the characteristics or, or the principles that we can uh see through the quantum sciences don't align with the sort of cosmological larger scale stuff and so there's a inconsistency they're trying to find the the answer or the the equation that that solves everything. And I've heard people, and this is a question for you, Robbie, that, you know, maybe you've looked at this, maybe some have or some haven't, but the electric universe model is pretty interesting to me because I feel that a lot of creation is sort of electrical in a sense that not, you know, maybe not the electric universe model per se, because they're also predicated on a heliocentric model, which again, I'm not entirely dismissing. I'm just saying, you know, that that's what it is. Have you seen or heard anybody take the principles of an electric universe and see if it fits into the biblical cosmology? Um, I, I know that, that I don't know so much about the biblical cosmology, but I know that there's a lot of research like with geocentrism and, and different things like this getting into uh, that. And there's some incredible, fascinating stuff. I would say that uh, Bob Nodell from Globebusters, which is a show on uh, YouTube, he's done extensive research in that. And there's a few other ones that have really, really dug in really deep into a lot of things. And I would say there's a lot of stuff that's pointing that direction in electromagnetism, uh, getting into these type of uh, ideas. But again, I don't know of anyone that's really researched much on the biblical cosmology side of things with that. But again, like I said, right now, everyone's really just researching, looking into a lot of things. So one thing that we can all agree on uh, with a lot of research, that's the one thing that kind of binds us, I guess, together is the fact that we severely doubt that uh, we are, you know, basically the truth is what we've been told. Um, And again, a lot of that stuff, you know, the spiritual agenda, different things like this, you know, everything is starting to map together for us. uh, But really, when it comes down to it, you know, do we believe that we're on a spinning ball flying through space at the speeds and all these things that they tell us? No. Uh, And again, a lot of that stuff, like I said, came through three different areas. I mean, you've got a lot of uh, Bible people tackling this right now. You've got a lot of truthers, you know, digging in and finding all these kind of, you know, connecting all these dots. But then you've got a lot of really hard core, you know, scientific minds that are coming forward and trying to perform the the best scientific experiments they possibly can based on experiments that were actually done throughout history. You get in the Bedford uh, level experiment and you get into Michael Slim Morley and you get into some really, really good scientific experiments that were done uh, that people can kind of look at uh, and make sure that uh, they conclusively can try to, to do this. But that's what's so fascinating about this is at the end of the day, all these things 
you know, are starting to point and all the things that they're pointing at are all going against scientism. So for me, you know, anything that actually highlights and draws people to the Bible, I mean, obviously I'm going to hold to that. So for example, for me, I do, you know, I'm an enclosed creationist. That's what I go by. That's kind of my title that I kind of coined a couple of years ago. Um, but for me, I, we are kind of an enclosed cosmology. I mean, with the flood, with different things, I would even say with the time continuum, God being outside of time, he would actually have to create a linear time uh, space in an enclosed type scenario. So whether whether you come from a heliocentric, geocentric, whatever, you we all have to agree from a biblical point of view that we're in an enclosed cosmology to some degree because you can't have time exist. You know, God's outside of time. He created time, you know, so it's linear for him. He sees the past, present, and the future happening simultaneously, right? Which is profound in the sense that God created time, right? And these are things that go really levels deep. Um, but I think when it comes down to it, could it be that CERN, and other places, could it be that a lot of these accounts are people trying to crack it? Could it be that NASA sending? I mean, when you get into you know Operation Fishbowl right after the Antarctica expeditions, you know they create like NASA and they basically send up you know 110 rockets, Russia and the U.S. blasting at the top of you know in the high level atmospheres, and you can kind of see you know you can pull this stuff up on YouTube, and you're kind of like, why are they sending these rockets up? You know, and it's almost like were they trying to like you know, trying to see if they could crack it, see what the stuff was, because it was like they went to the outer edge. And the whole Antarctica thing, I think for anyone listening to this broadcast, if you really want to dig into some really cool stuff, man, get into Antarctica, man, because it is so profound when you get into what's going on there, and it starts to really piece together the fact that, you know, here's a, here's here's one place in the whole world that, you know, like 100, I forget how many, 40 countries put together a peace treaty. It's the longest standing peace treaty ever in the history of the world. We know this world, you know, no one keeps peace treaties for very long because, but this thing basically says that no civilian, no business, nobody could ever go to Antarctica without, you know, express permission. So, you know, if you want to go to Antarctica, we want to plan a trip. It's going to cost us an arm and a leg, but we can go down. They'll show you the, the interior and that's it. But if you say, Hey, I want to go venture off. No, you're not allowed to. Nobody is allowed to drill there. And you got Admiral Byrd saying that when he went there with his expeditions, he said there was more uranium and coal and gold. And he said there was resources for the world 10 times over. And yet you would think every country would have been dividing it up. But no, you know what happens? They all agree. No one's going to ever own it. No one's ever, you know, it's going to be there for experimentation in the military. They all agree that we're just going to, you know, patrol it, not allow anyone to go there. So I'd say one of the big mysteries that got me going on this was Antarctica. When you start kind of getting into the, you know, the model of what they've told us, what's really going on there? Um, and then it just starts to get really interesting that once they conclusively lock that down, they start going up. And when they go up, they start blasting all these rockets up in the, you know, and you go in Russia and U.S. doing it simultaneously, 110. And these are big. I mean, these are big, uh, you know, not big warheads, but they're, you know, they're not nuclear or anything. But, I mean, these are megaton bombs. They're exploding, you know, way up there. And you can see this. You can see this on YouTube. You kind of, what are they doing? But the actual thing was called Operation Fishbowl. I mean, I can't even make this stuff up, you know. And you're going, that's interesting. So Operation High Jump was at Antarctica. And then you got Operation Fishbowl. But before those two expeditions, the first one to Antarctica was Operation Nimrod. And you're going, wait a minute. You know anything about Nimrod? He's not really a savory character. He's not very good, right? And you're like, that's interesting. They would name an expedition Nimrod. So when you start connecting these from a biblical point of view, and you're going, okay, wait a minute. We know that man's attempt will always be the kingdoms, you know, are going to set themselves up before God. Satan's attempt was to rise above the stars. His pursuit has always been, you know, and you start getting into this, you're like, wait a minute. Could it be that he was trying to, like, do these type of things and put these other things all together? And it just gets very intriguing. So anyone that really wants to search the truth and really likes a good rabbit hole, this one, I really think, from a biblical point of view, starts to map a lot of things. You get into the dates. You get into even the numbers about how fast, you know, the tilt 
you know, you get into the numbers, you know, how fast we're spinning and stuff, and you get a 666. I mean, it's weird. The numbers start popping up everywhere. And, I mean, you could look at this and go try to debunk it, but you're like, the numbers are what they say they are. This is what they're telling us, and they really like these 666 numbers. It's really bizarre how many times you'll see that come up in their miles and how fast it's going around the sun. And, um, but really, even from the tilt of the axis, you get the 23.4, but if you take that from 90 degree, you get 666 from the the other axis and it's just wait a minute these this is bizarre all these numbers are kind of floating around with all these numbers but antarctica like i said follow the timeline there's a great new video that uh, odd just put up which is really encouraging because odd has been a truther for a long time and just recently through all this investigation i mean he just he was on an interview um you know with rob uh, skiba and uh, with another one recently and he said like i'm super close to like giving my life to jesus he goes like i'll tell you one thing he goes i would have never i thought religion i thought this was crap you know i've been a truther for a long time i was i was a uh, um a zeitgeist uh, you know he he was big on the whole zeitgeist thing but he basically said recently he's at a point now where he's just like, I have totally come, you know, 100% around. I am, you know, 100% creationist. And uh, he went on the record saying, I'm close to just like surrendering, you know, to, to Jesus, the, the true creator of creation. And I was just like, whoa. So when you start seeing stuff like this and this whole pursuit and people really looking into this subject matter, you know, that's one thing, you know, it's hard. You hear, you know, that this stuff is just a waste or it's a conspiracy or it's a psyop. And I'm telling you, man, for people and the numbers of people that are coming to the Bible through this, I don't know of anything that would have evil intent. Anything that has an evil intent will draw people further away from the Bible. And unfortunately, with much of scientism, if you start to really systematically look and say, what has the Big Bang heliocentric created, you know, from a, from a general point of view, it's created a very atheistic worldview in the sense that God's not needed. And I'm thinking, would God actually create something where he could be completely almost erased from? Or could it be that the construct was there was to divert it from the real truth? And so I just encourage people really start looking into creation because as again, it starts right in Genesis, it's the foundation of all things, and right from Romans, it says, I have made it clear to understand the true creator of creation, clearly by looking. Use your senses, use what God's given you, use, you know, uh, common sense, you don't need to have sophisticated degrees. This whole lie, I think it's the whole evolutionary lie that we need to, you know, have PhDs to under truly understand God's creation, and quite honestly, there's nothing wrong with going down that road, but honestly, God would basically make it so that we could holy marvel and be in awe completely of what he said and i go so far as to say isn't it even more awe inspiring when it's like it is 100 percent polar opposite and to what the whole world has taught us to me it's like that leap of faith where it's like are we willing to completely stand to that degree um i don't think that god would hold anyone guilty if they don't uh but what i'm saying is sometimes it's just like he's looking for certain individuals to say you know what I'm just going to do it and see where it goes. And again, that's been my pursuit. I just said, you know what? I'm going to do this. And Lord, you know what? Yeah, if I'm wrong, Holy Spirit, convict me. I don't want to do anything that would be jeopardizing or something that's unbiblical. You know, let me just stand by your word. Teach me, Holy Spirit. You know, teach me the truth in the Bible and help me not to look at your at the Bible with any type of, you know, preconceived notion or anything. And honestly, it's just been an incredible, you know, journey. I mean, I've had an amazing walk with the Lord for over 20 years. But I'd say in the last two years, it was almost like coming to Christ again. And it was just like, I mean... I was, when I came into all of this, I mean, my relationship with Lord has just got closer. I've just been able to look up at the world and go, wow. And I mean, for me, just looking up and going, you're literally like Isaiah 40, 22. You look down as we're like grasshoppers and I stretched out a tent, you know, and when you get into this, like these words, yes, you could go allegory, 
But the question is, what if it's literal? What if he was trying to paint a picture that any man of any century would understand? Whether, you know, it was B.C., you know, A.D., it was 2017, that all men, the Holy Spirit would inspire it for all men to clearly understand that they could construct this. And I use this argument most recently as a child. Why would he want to deceive a child when they would read it clearly and construct an entire worldview that would basically give honor and glory and almost the simplicity of going, wow, God, you're right above me. And yeah, hell is right below me. And, you know, these type of things that, you know, so again, when it comes to the shape, when it comes to the mechanics, I never, ever say I know 100%. I don't. And I'm okay with that. Lord, I don't even know how the moon works. I don't know how the phases work. I find it fascinating, the research that's going on with these topics. But I just go, you know what? Your word says this. I'm going to believe it. And honestly, it's just been an amazing, amazing journey. So I just like to encourage everyone just to look into it. And whether you come this direction or you don't, it's all good, man. The most important thing is honestly is that you just like live your life for for Christ. Understand that he basically paid that price and that, uh, you know what? God loves you, man. and, And that Jesus provided that way. And to me, that's the most important thing. So really... If anything, uh, that is for all of my ministry, for Celebrate Truth on YouTube, all the documentaries I do, that will be the thing that basically pushes me forward because it's the most important truth, and that's found in one person, Jesus. Well, no matter what we uh, believe as far as the shape of the earth or uh, the (laughs) scientists around the world or NASA or anything like that, I think uh, everybody can agree with your uh, ending statement there. Yeah, and that's and I, I want to hold to that because, like I said, I know that like sometimes, and I mean, even through the time that I've been a Christian, I mean, you know, you put two Christians in a room long enough, we're going to argue about something, right? But at the end of the day, we got to decide like, are these essential doctrines? Or are these kind of tertiary? And while I would say this is really important, and I would implore someone, just like someone would implore me to look into something they believe is really important, but at the end of the day, you know what? It's one of those things where, you know, people can kind of agree to disagree. We can kind of encourage one another. We can sharpen each other by bringing other stuff to the table. And as long as, you know, we actually will look into these things, give these things a chance, I, I just think that that's the most important thing. So even for me included, I never want to be at a point where I say, oh, yeah, 100% know what I know. And, you know, there's no, I mean, I would even say I'm, I'm 100% on this because, again, there always could be something that surprises me. I'm constantly surprised in my journey. But for me, obviously, I always leave that little bit open that God can teach me something new, that something else can come up. And that, honestly, I just want to be a real good representative for him and understand that there's, uh, you know, this is this is a really big deal. Because for me, it really comes down to not the shape or the mechanics of the universe. Or anything. It comes down to the Word of God, and it comes down to really... You know, are there areas even in the Bible where it's like maybe I looked at it was cultural or this or that? Like, really? Like, I want to actually look at the Bible again and look at areas where it's like, you know what? You said it. I believe it. And I want to have that childlike faith where it's just like, you know what? Even the whole world laughs at me. I just find it really encouraging how, like I mentioned to you before, there's three different vantage points of this. There's science that's coming validating this. There's the whole connecting the dots that's really validating this. And then you've got the whole biblical verses. And I mean, you got a lot. I, we don't have like two or three. And I remember one person that was at a church and they said, the one thing we have to address is the fact that you've got like, you know, hundred verses, but for our heliocentric big bang, you know, cosmology, we don't have anything. Uh, so they said, even though we can stand on this, that's still something that we have to address because we have to seriously address these verses. And if we want to discount a few of them as being poetic or allegory, what do we do with these other verses? So as long as people just look into it, uh, and, and if you come to your conclusion, that's great. I've told people that even when it comes to Jesus, look into it, seriously look into it. 
you know, is he who he said he is? Um, but no, don't, I mean, life's too short for you not just to discount it. I mean, look into these things. So to me, it's like, look in and just see. And if you come to the conclusion, you've basically got that whole verse nailed and you're like, this is where it's at. And I believe it. And it's staying consistent. Great. But a lot of times people just kind of dismiss these things. And I think one by one, if you start really looking at these scriptures, like, what do we do with that scripture? What do we do when every eye is going to see Christ when he comes in the clouds? I mean, how, how is that even possible on a ball? So to me, it's like, you know, at least have a way to explain that, that really kind of completes everything. And that's cool. But a lot of times people will just either brush it off and say, well, maybe that's not literal. Maybe that's the fact that, you know, uh, it will be on television, you know, or something. And I'm like, ah, you know, you read these verses and different things like that. So it's almost like going through the Bible again and going, okay, well, I don't know if I take this literal, but you know what? I never took this verse literal. I'm going to take that literal now because, you know, I see evidence of it other places in the Bible. And I mean, the Holy Spirit inspired this and he's saying this over and over and over for a reason. And I think a really good place to start, I don't, uh, I'll recommend this for a lot of people listening, but it's a documentary called The Principle. Uh, I think it's profound, and so many people have found that incredibly, um, you know, insightful because it supports the science is going two ways. The scientific, and these are scientists that are all interviewed. There's no Christian scientists in there. I mean, you've got, like, some pretty big names that are in the principle. And they all show uh, that, wait a minute, it could be the other way around, that gravity is being formed by the entire universe spinning around the Earth, that it basically creates the gravity. So the question is, these guys are coming up with scientific you know, ideas, and they're saying, wait a minute, the data is pointing to geocentric and heliocentric. But my question is, if it also points to the geocentric, what makes the most sense for God to do? If you actually just tear everything apart and saying, okay, if I read the Bible, what makes the most sense for God to show that He is God and He is Creator? Does the heliocentric make more sense or the geocentric? Because the principle will show a lot of people that the scientific data is now starting to support a geocentric uh, universe, and you can still keep your, you know, uh, construct of a globe and the, you know, the whole heliocentric model. But it will blow you away when you see the scientific data that's coming forward to support the fact that the Earth doesn't move. It's the Sun, Moon, and the universe that is spinning around us. And they even have formulas uh, that are there that are very profound that support the fact that gravity is being created through the spin. But the one thing that I can agree with that documentary is the fact that they have conclusively shown a lot of scientific data to support the fact. We ain't spinning. We ain't moving. We are stationary. We are at the center of the universe, and everything is revolving around us. And I just read the Bible, and it's just like over and over and over. It's echoing to me that that's exactly the way God created it. So I just find it fascinating. Start wherever anyone wants to start. But again, there's a lot of great stuff. Maybe even geocentrism will be a good starting point to start looking into it, because I think you're going to find some fascinating stuff. And uh, a lot of people that have been real big skepticals, I've, I've given them that documentary, and they were just like, whoa, brother, you know, that was profound. Like, it's got me really thinking about what do we know with cosmology? I mean, what things truly are scientifically proven? Or could it be starting to go the other way? And I just think that that's the real fascinating thing here is because there's so many things to look at and uh, everyone asking these questions, I mean, uh, they will, you know, everyone that seeks, you know, will find. And I mean, the truth will be revealed in all things. I mean, and that's the wonderful thing about this is if someone really has that hunger to really look into it and try their best just to go, I'm just going to read, ask the Holy Spirit to interpret the Bible, not man, not an agency, regardless what the world has shown us, let's, let the Holy Spirit, you know, convict us, teach us, tell us, 
you know, what to believe. And I think that's going to be the interesting journey. And that's what a lot of people have found in this is when they just, for the first time, say, you know what, I'm going to just try this and see. And that's what I'll encourage people is just try it. What do you got to lose? Um, there's nothing to lose and everything to gain because I'm sure you'll come across some great, great scriptures or God will communicate, uh, you know, in a wonderful way and maybe a new direction. Uh, and yeah, it's just been, it's been an incredible journey. So I really appreciate the time, um, and the questions and it's, it's great to be on the show. I've been a, a huge fan, like I mentioned before, I mean, ages of seat was, uh, was a huge pivotal point, but just following your work throughout the years. So like I said, you were even, uh, uh Gonza inspiration, um, in just starting creating documentaries just because I remember at one point, you know, never know when, but it was works like yours that really, um, started to get me to a point where I wanted to. I want to do something like that someday, you know, whether it was on eschatology or it was on the media or it was on, uh, you know, Hollywood or whatever, anything on these things. It's just, I knew that I was called to be, um, you know, touching on these topics for me, it was more in my circles and speaking on it. But, uh, like I said, it took this topic to basically God to say, okay, it's time and, uh, create the channel. And I, I've uh, had celebrate truth on YouTube for about a year and a half and just, uh, surpassed the 3 million, uh, views mark for total marks and, uh, almost at 30,000 subscribers. So I want to thank everyone that supported me. And if you're not a subscriber, subscribe. And uh, yeah, if you have questions, reach out to me and you can find me on Facebook. If you want to add me there, just Robbie Davidson, pretty easy to find. So, and then you can go to my um, uh, website, celebratetruth.org if you want to buy the DVD. So I made sure that I released it on uh, YouTube and DVD the same day so that nothing would hinder people from watching it. So watch it for free on uh, YouTube. And if you want to support or you want a copy to give to someone, people are using it very creative ways. They're like getting it into libraries and handing it out to people that maybe wouldn't go to YouTube and watch a two-hour you know, movie or whatever. Uh, it might be a great opportunity. But yeah, you can go to YouTube, Celebrate Truth, um, or celebratetruth.org. That's uh, my website. So I want to thank you guys again. It's been a real uh, pleasure and honor being here. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on and appreciate you, um, you know, doing what the Lord seems to be leading you to do. And I think, uh, you know, I think all of us, we can get into this and, and you know, it'll edify somebody, you know. And um, I just wanted to finish up with um, a, a couple scriptures, actually, that, that I'm sure you guys have, uh, the people in uh, you know, the researching the flat earth. And I really like the three pronged approach. I, I've always actually looked at it from two, but you add that conspiracy angle, which makes sense. Um, you know, looking at this topic from scripture, looking at it through science, and then obviously the conspiracy sort of ties into that. But the thing that really jumped out at me is this whole idea of the heavens opening. And during Jesus's baptism that's recorded in Mark, I think there's another time in Mark that, that the heavens opened uh, but also in Luke, you know, right, right during the baptism, it, it talks about the heavens were opened, right, and the spirit of God descends, things like that, and and it just makes me think, look, okay, what's really going on there? And and the fact that you know the, some of the things that I've learned about baptism, you know, through some of the studies of the ancient Near East and and things like that, is that baptism was actually a gesture to show that hey, you're going under right? As, as kind of going into the underworld and coming back up as sort of a resurrection type of thing. And so for Jesus to do that symbolically is one thing. And then, you know, to have the heavens open up at the same time, uh, I don't know, it just, it, it seems to point again, always to Jesus being the ultimate authority here. And I think, uh, you know, I'm in total agreement with your perspective on, you know, the, sort of the bigger purpose of why talk about these issues, why look into it, 
um, why investigate? Why ask the questions? Because the people that are that have come to hard conclusions, you know, I would say that they're they're no better than some of the scientists who have come to their conclusions, right? They're sort of holding on to these pillars. And, you know, we, we, I think we just have to be more open to the possibility that, Hey, we don't know, and we can do our experiments to, to learn about it. And there are even arguments for, you know, the standard, what people are taught with the heliocentric and the spherical model. I, I didn't want to bring it up in this conversation, but I've seen videos of people proving, you know, not just, well, proving the curvature of the earth, not through any kind of crazy thing, just basic stuff that people, the same kind of experience that people have used to show the earth is flat, they they use to show that there is the curvature. But in any case, you know, again, this stuff is fluid. It's it's always an investigation. Um, but I appreciate your approach to this. And, and, I, and I'm glad we had you on and you're able to share your thoughts and your research and things like that. Because like you said, there, there are things that we, I don't think any of us are ever going to agree with, but one day we're all going to be able to sit and agree with the Lord and say, okay, God, you had it figured out and, and we'll all kind of, you know, probably mess with each other on who was right on what, you know, what topics or whatever, and we can all have fun. But um, in the meantime, we're kind of in this, we see through the glass darkly. Um, but, uh, you know, I, again, I really appreciate your approach to this. I appreciate that you're uh, open to it. I appreciate that you're willing to ask the questions, uh, but also not close off to, you know, the possibilities of, the whole scope of possibilities of what might be going on. So, Correct. um, yeah. Basil, no. anything else? Any last word? Or Robbie, did you want to? No, no. Yeah. Basil. Well, well, Robbie Davidson, thanks so much for coming on the show, buddy. We really appreciate it. And, uh, all you listeners out there, go check out his stuff. Uh, he's on YouTube and, and, uh, give one more time, give the YouTube channel name and your website. Yeah. YouTube. But just youtube.com slash celebrate truth. So just the two words, celebrate truth. Um, and also the website is celebrate truth.org. And uh, we just have uh, the DVD up there. But like I mentioned, anybody can watch Scientism Exposed for free on YouTube. And like I said, if you want a copy of the DVD, happy to get one out to you. Um, and we've got uh, ones for bulk if you want to give them out to multiple people. But I think it's a really good tool, um, you know, as far as even in the bigger scheme of things, because we didn't really get too much into evolution and stuff, but it doesn't just touch on these topics. It really doesn't closely touch on anything, but what it does is it points to the fact that could there possibly be more that's going on that meets the eye? Could it be that, you know, there is an agenda in place? And really, rather than telling people what to believe, it just says, hey, and if one thing sparks someone, where it's going to draw them closer to the Bible or draw them close to the Creator, you know, to me, that's really, really important. And that's what I wanted for Scientists Exposed, is I wanted something that really would take a person on a journey, and whether they kind of, for the first time, saw that there were lies in evolution. Because I'd say for the first 20 minutes, it focuses mostly on, on evolution, and then it gets into the Big Bang and stuff. But really, it just asks these questions, and I think that people that check out Scientism Exposed they really will be taken on a journey like they've never been taken on before. But understand that it's there's nothing in there that's saying conclusively what to believe or you're wrong if you believe this or that. It doesn't at all. It just starts posing these questions like we brought up tonight. Like, for example, why is it in almost 50 years, the furthest that they've gone <laughs> is 400 miles? I mean, that's yeah. bizarre. That's bizarre. From anyone that's really conclusively looking into this, that is bizarre. You can't just say, well, they've never been back to the moon because they don't need to. I mean, these are things I hear all the time. But really, of all the space agencies out there, and they're telling us all these stories, really, they're only going to go a fraction of a percent. I mean, remember, they told us the moon is 240,000 miles. 
That's right. a quarter of a million miles away, and yet they've only gone 400 miles. So these type of things, I just want people to be like, that's kind of weird. I'm going to look into that. And if one thing leads to another and they start going, well, wait a minute, maybe I'm putting too much trust into NASA. Maybe I should just settle down on that a bit, you know, and then yeah, look at some yeah. other things. So to me, it was more, and we're all guilty of that. We could all rise some agency or some man or even a teacher for that matter. So don't listen to what I say. Don't listen to what anyone says. Obviously, you know, test these things, you know, read the Bible. But at the end of the day, I want people to just go on that journey, be hungry for the truth, because really the body of the truth is Jesus. And to me, that is the most important thing when it comes to this. But really, it just just go down that journey. Because again, it's like, it's incredible what happens when you're just not afraid to say, you know what, I really want to find out. Because I think a lot of the things that we grew up with, we just, we, we just, take for granted. It just is what it is. I mean, nobody debates it. No one talks about it. So what happens when some people start to question it? It seems silly, but then all of a sudden more and more people start questioning it and more and more people. And then that's all I'm seeing with this investigation. And I'm seeing people from every walk of life, different backgrounds. And, you know, there's a lot of people starting to look into this. So unfortunately, you know, there has been, you know, unsavory characters or some, maybe some people have been turned <laughs> off where they've seen certain things or something. And, you know, I apologize for that. But again, at the end of the day, don't let that even discourage you. Because again, the truth is above people and personality. You, you know, it's something that's important. So don't get hung up on what you see, or you saw a video by someone and they did this or that. Just go on your quest, pray, ask the Lord to lead you and see, you know, what comes of it. But I think that, uh, honestly, anybody that starts to really dig into the Bible, nothing bad about that. There you go. Go start the journey, everybody. Um, well, Robbie Davison, thank you so much for coming on the show, buddy. And, uh, we are eagerly awaiting the second part of your documentary. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Thanks again, guys. It's been a really All right, buddy. You have a, you have a great night and, uh, we'll, we'll have to get you back on the show when the new one comes out. Would love it. Well, there you go, guys. Hope you enjoyed that. That was, uh, again, it was a long time ago we recorded this uh, interview, but it still remains relevant. <laughs> I mean, I guess not much has changed in a month or so, but um, just an awesome guy with an awesome ministry, lots of awesome videos, awesome, awesome, awesome. So go make sure to check out his links there. We'll have them in the show notes. And uh, also another thing, a lot of you already know that Gons and I have been doing a, an additional show. That's that's right. Uh, your your two favorite conspiracy pals doing another show called Canary Cry News Talk. Now this is a separate feed. You have to subscribe to it separately. You can do that on iTunes or all the other places that you find Canary Cry Radio. But this is us on a weekly basis. We take some of the, uh, some new stories you may have heard about some a lot i think you may not have heard about and we talk about them in the uh in with the the lens of you know this our our crazy minds and um it's just another great way to get a little bit more of the truth in your life and uh you know maybe visit some news stories that you haven't seen during the week it's a great way to do it that's kind of our goal with that show is, you know, try to give you guys some news items that because there's the big cycle of politics and everything going on now and everyone's attention is there and the drama there. And it's the biggest reality TV show in the world now. Yes. And, and you can. it's like we do a we do a viewing and reviewing party of the world reality show every week. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Uh, I was going to say more so that we're kind of ignoring that part of it or, you know, at least trying to move away from it and reporting some stuff that 
actually, you know, oh, that's true. To be we, moving we forward, get, we get down and dirty. We we've uh, lately we've been tracking pretty consistently the rise of transhumanism in the public eye, which is actually. Yeah. It's going crazy, guys. It's if you want to, you want to keep track. Crazy. Yeah, if you want to keep track of how transhumanism is being portrayed in the media, not just in like your HBO specials and your Westworlds and things yeah, like that, you know, but oh, transhumanists man. are making moves. Yeah, you know something. This this is a little, I guess, a nugget, right? To, at the end of this episode, where we kind of dive into this, but like seriously, back in 2012 when we started this, what was what, what did I tell you? Remember, we were talking and we were like, dude, we ha- transhumanism has to be the the thing that we we kind well, of right it's going to be the call well, the show on you know because it, it's it's going to happen oh yeah it's happening and it's happening faster and faster that includes you know biotechnology cyborgism facebook mark zuckerberg facebook, out yes with the surveillance brain interface yes brain computer interfacing um and uh all that transplants yeah it's getting crazy it's getting weird guys (laughs) so if you want to follow that and uh, many more trends going on in the world right now that you may not get on your six o'clock news go ahead and subscribe to canary cry news talk you're not going to hate it i guarantee that now one last thing uh we mentioned at the top of the show uh the joy spiracy theory my show that uh my show show that i've been we're back and rolling i've got guests we've got all sorts of great things going It's, it's got a slightly new spin to it which i think everybody's been enjoying um go check that out and if you want to support gons or i and or and or either or both (laughs) <laughs> of Gons and I. These are real words I'm speaking. Um, you can go to patreon.com slash the joy theory and or either and uh, patreon.com slash face like the sun. And that's just a great way. As we mentioned before, um, things are really cracking down on the internet, on the internet and uh, <laughs> monetization. It's harder. It's hard. It's hard. We can't, it's getting yeah. harder. And Patreon is a great resource for creators like Gons and I, um, just to help to keep the ministry going. Um, and as always, if you want to support Canary Cry, uh, radio specifically, you can go to canarycryradio.com slash support and, and get it on there. All That's right. right. Is there anything else, Gons? You know what? Uh, let me just say that I've been using Twitter a lot more recently and that's true. It's, it's bringing out like such a dark side of, of me. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> it feels like it's like, oh, it's, gosh. seriously, it's like, I'm, I feel like every time I post, I'm like, oh yeah, that made sense. But then I look back, I'm all, well, that, that, that seems kind of trollish. And then I realized <laughs> yeah. Twitter itself is just everybody trolling. That's just all a bunch it is. of trolls. That's, yeah. So if you want to ah, see the darker crazy. side of Gons, you can follow him <laughs> you on Twitter. See the troll in Gons. If you, if you want to hear the, uh, the, the, about the joys in his life and his brand new baby, you can go to patreon.com slash the joy theory and get access to his bonus episode. I ran all into right. an atheist and a witch on Twitter. I, how, how crazy yeah. is that? Yeah. Go track those feeds, everybody. <laughs> All right, everybody. We uh, again, we truly, truly appreciate everybody for sticking with us, and we promise things are going to be moving a little faster here. Um, and again, I, again, I know we talked kind of a lot about money this episode, but truly, if it wasn't for you guys, I literally would be homeless. So thank you very much. All right. Amen. Anything else, Gons? Any last That's words? It. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Canary Cry Radio. Make sure to tune in next time. But until then, guys. Think outside the cage.